Get the latest news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. So you mean we're not supposed to go to right-wing organisations now? Not really. Not if you're um, a politician <sighs> who cares about their image. It's so confusing. It's political correctness gone mad. <laughs> This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up on the show today, including... I'll be speaking to a woman from Brick Hill who is angry after experiencing painstaking delays by Bedford Hospital when she took her little girl in with concussion. The Chief Fire Officer of the Bucks and MK Fire Service says emergency services should be funded by a separate tax instead of council tax. Well, would you like to pay a separate tax for emergency services? And apparently, apparently, confidence in the job market is improving, is it? Is it? That's according to a new survey carried out by the National Careers Service. Very simple question. I know lots of you have been struggling to find work. Do you feel more confident in the job market? Well, do you? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me one of them texts, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or the best way to do this, first thing in the morning, let's be honest, is a little chitty chat on the phone. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Some of you may be surprised to hear that the uh, job market, confidence in the job market is improving. I'd love to hear your stories on this. Are you confident in the job market? What do you think it's a load of old tosh? 08459 455 555. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, a story we've been following very closely recently is the uh, changing and indeed closing of some paediatric services at Bedford Hospital. Bedford Hospital have assured us that everything would run smoothly and nobody uh, would be uh, in potential harm. Well, a Bedford woman has expressed serious concerns about the time taken to transfer her baby from Bedford Hospital's A&E unit to Milton Keynes. Kelly Bloor took her nine-month-old daughter, Lola, into hospital with concussion. Uh, With us now is our reporter, Sophie Solaria. Sophie, you went to see Kelly and meet uh, Lola yesterday. What happened? Well, the incident won't come as uh, much of a shock to people following the Bedford Hospital story, but to give us some background, after safety concerns within Bedford Uh, hospitals children's services from august the first no children are able to be admitted there as inpatients Uh, they all have to go to neighboring hospitals like Mm. milton Keynes. so uh, when kelly she's a mum of three and a childminder rushed her little girl lola to a and e with a head injury last friday they gave her a ct scan which they can do on premises and that was clear and fine but then they decided she'd also need to be admitted for observation right so this is where the problem started Kelly was told that she'd have to wait for an ambulance to take her and Lola down to Milton Keynes Hospital. Uh, so they sat, she sat there with little Lola with concussion in a side ward. And while they waited for an ambulance, they waited and they waited mm. and they waited. Here's Kelly to tell us what happened next. At uh, 10 o'clock, they said to me, there's an ambulance waiting outside for you. You're going to take you to Milton Keynes because that's where you've got to stay. So I said, OK, my partner left. We went outside to the ambulance station and there was no ambulance. It turned out that actually there were two ambulances for transfer, but only one crew working at night, and that one crew had left to go to Cambridge. We had to wait until they'd finished the transfer and come back. And we weren't in a cubicle either, we were just like in a, in a little room with some chairs. Um, we did have a paediatric nurse with us, which was why I was so frustrated, because she's fully trained, could have just sat there with us and observed her, but no, we, had, we still had to go to Milton Keynes. 
How was Lola feeling at this time of waiting around for an ambulance? She was still really drowsy, so obviously I was still really anxious because I was like, she's nine months old, and it's not like an adult, you know, she's my baby. Did it come in eventually? Half past twelve. So, How many hours is that now? Um, two and a half hours after they'd said we had to go, and they'd said the ambulance was ready, the, the ambulance arrived. Two and a half hours yeah. of waiting with your little girl that was concussed? Yeah just sort of sat there waiting no one knew what was going on no one could tell us what was going on because the staff didn't even know when you finally got to Milton Keynes what was the service like there well when we arrived the ambulance service didn't know where to go then no one knew where the ward was and it took till I think it was 20 past three in the morning for finally the transfer paperwork and everything to be done for me to then be told right you can go to sleep now it sounds like chaos. It is. I think the problem is they've made a change, but actually they've not spoken to anybody about it. No, you know, they've not walked it right the way through and gone, right, this is exactly what potentially could happen. And it just, it's just frustrating because actually I've been taken away from my general hospital, which in every other occasion with any of my children being poorly have been able to help. In Milton Keynes, there's nobody I know. I'm far from home. I had no money. I had nothing. You had no money. It was three o'clock in the morning. What did you do for food? Ridiculously, I breastfeed Lola, and they'd actually told me that because Lola's over six months, they weren't going to provide me with food. So, so you didn't eat? I had to wait um, until my partner came. Um, or um, actually, what I did do was I snuck some toast um, from the trolley. and You had to steal toast to feed yourself because you were there. <laughs> yeah. You were waiting without food for over yeah, and they told six me hours. I'd been transferred from Bedford, and they knew I'd been transferred from Bedford. With no money? Yeah, that they would kind of go, do you know what? We'll feed you whatever, because obviously we understand that you're in a situation where you've been transferred away from your local hospital. How do you feel, as a mum, living in Bedford, with three children, plus you're a childminder, so around us we now have nine children in total. How do you feel about the idea of, of them getting sick in the future? Actually, I think children are at risk, because it, it doesn't work. Apart from the waiting time, you know, children, we all know, can um, become ill very, very quickly. You know, one minute they're fine and the next minute they're not. And I don't think that there's enough security around the changes to make me, or, or indeed any other parent, feel safe. Well, that was Kelly Blur talking about her nine-month-old daughter, Lola. Sophie, what have the two hospitals said about this? Well, Milton Keynes Hospital has declined to comment this morning and referred us to Bedford Hospital. Bedford Hospital wouldn't put a spokesman up for interview, but in a statement has told us, we apologise to Miss Blur for the wait she and her daughter experienced on Friday. Lola was seen within 20 minutes of coming to A&E at Bedford Hospital, where a CT scan was carried out. A decision to transfer Lola for admission to Milton Keynes Hospital could only be made once the scan report was available, as this determined which hospital she would go to. Lola's condition was not considered life-threatening, so we booked a non-emergency transport to Milton Keynes. Sophie, thank you very much. Well, Kelly will be joining me uh, in the studio a little bit later on to talk through that. 08459 455 555 uh, is the telephone number. Something I'm keen to talk about as well that um, uh, is coming up. The Chief Fire... What do we call them these days? Chief Fire Officer, I guess? Yeah, that kind of makes... Makes sense, doesn't it? The Chief Fire Officer of uh, Bucks and Milton Keynes Fire Service has uh, come out and said that the the, the Blue Light organisation, so the ambulance, the fire and the police, instead of being funded by your council tax, which they are now, they should be funded by a separate tax. People will be more than willing to pay uh, to pay more if they knew it was going to be spent on emergency services. What do you think about that? 08459 455 555. Would you be happy to pay a separate tax 
towards the uh, police and the fire brigade and uh, the uh, ambulances. Or do you think, well, actually, no, to be honest, that's, um, I pay my council tax. That's what that's for. And why should we have an extra tax? That's just going to confuse things and no doubt cost more money. 08459 455 555. I'm keen to get your thoughts on that. And there's uh, a survey shows that confidence in the housing market is, in, uh, the, sorry, the housing market, the employment market is increasing. No. Uh, confidence in the employment market is increasing. What do you think? Do you agree with that? Or are you sat at home, not uh, had a job for the last eight months, and you're, you're panicking a little bit? Well, 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Or you can send me a text. 81333. Start your text, 3CR. We're all off to Bongo Bongo Land. It's not racist. It's not racist, apparently. Apparently, it's not. Bongo Bongo Land. Hey, did you hear about the uh, the mafia uh, Don that was uh, arrested in a glamorous Uxbridge of all places? Now, if you've ever been to Uxbridge, I'm going there later on. Yeah, I know. If you've ever been to Uxbridge, you would imagine that a mafia Don would uh, choose somewhere a little bit more exciting than uh, Uxbridge. Somewhere a bit more exciting. I don't know. Slough. Slough's a little bit better than that, you know. Or, uh, I don't know. Bedford. Bedford's not. Bedford's nice. He should have gone to Bedford. Why did the mafia Don not go to Bedford? Or Lou Bedford. Why did Mafia Don not go to Bedford? That seems ridiculous to me. If I was a Mafia Don, and I was going to, you know, just live my life out cleaning my car and arguing with my neighbour, he got into a dispute with his neighbour uh, about a fence or a hedge or something. Imagine being that neighbour now going, oh, flipping it. You know we have no argument with, uh, with Tony. And it turns out he's flipping Mafia. For 19 years, he lived quietly in a £300,000 white-painted house in a prosperous London suburb. I thought it was Uxbridge, running a travel agency business with his wife. Neighbours knew him as Mark Skinner, a 64-year-old father of two, described as reserved and polite. Yesterday, they discovered he's actually Dominica Rancadori, a feared mafia boss who's been on the run since 1994. While at large, he was placed on the list of Italy's most wanted criminals. He was head of a crime family involved in extortion, racketeering and drug trafficking. Well, isn't that naughty? And there's a picture of his daughter. But actually, whoa, I didn't say that. Whoa, guys, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I don't want, I don't want to wake up with um, a pit bull's head in my bed. I think that's what they do. Ministers are... Adv- are you going to stand there the whole time? Yeah. OK. Ministers are advising local authorities in England to take swift and effective action against illegal traveller sites. New guidance published today summarises the laws available to councils dealing with unauthorised caravans. The local government secretary, Eric Pickles, who's... Eric Pickles is everywhere at the moment, isn't he? Everywhere. Says, yes, says too often council of officers wash their hands and say nothing can be done when illegal encampments appear. But ministers say powers are available to local authorities. The local government minister, Brandon Lewis, says many local authorities need reminding about what powers were available to them. Some of these powers have come in gradually over a period of time, and we thought it was sensible over the summer, with bank holidays coming, to just publish a really conclusive list of all the powers they have, to remind councils of what those powers are, and local communities, so they can look to their council to make sure they're making really good use of those powers for the benefit of their communities. The measures available to councils include temporary stop notices, which halt any activity for 28 days that bring 
breaches planning per- controls, preemptive injunctions which can stop unauthorised camping on vulnerable sites, and possession orders that remove trespassers from land. The government says speed is the key to stopping illegal sites, as the longer they're there, the harder it is to remove them. Councillor Michael Saunders from the Royal Borough of Windsor and Maidenhead welcomes the new guidance. When our decisions and our processes are challenged in judicial review, the matter can go on for many, many months. If that process was more predictable and more swift, then I'm sure a lot of the frustration would be removed. A spokesman for the Gypsy Council, Joseph Jones, dismissed the guidance. Local authorities are well used to dealing with or or coping with unauthorised encampments by gypsies and travellers. It's been something that gypsies and travellers have been doing for hundreds of years, living beside the road or living on pieces of ground. And they know full well what they can and can't do, what the powers are and what the appropriate actions are to take. They don't need the government to micromanage every single unauthorised encampment. The Irish traveller movement in Britain called the government's measures counterproductive and disproportionate, saying ministers should concentrate instead on finding new legal sites for travellers. The mummers and the puppers had this to say about it. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. uh, By the way, if you've missed it... What on earth has happened here? What on earth is going on? Why do they wrap these newspapers in this ridiculous... Uh, if you missed, uh, it, 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 there is a weekly podcast of this show. If you go to iTunes and type in Ian Lee, I-A-I-N dot L-double-E, uh, BBC, it pops up. Subscribe to it. Enough goods. I, I, I'm keen to gauge just how popular it is, though. Not to massage my ego, but simply to massage my ego. Uh, Justin isn't with us today. He's sitting in for Nick Coffer. Apparently, Tony Blackburn only works a four-day week. What on earth is that all about? What is that all about? So, Dealey's in for Coffer. Solaria's in for Dealey. It's very confusing. Can we send um, uh, Sophie out onto the streets of Luton this morning just to find out how many people are downloading my podcast? Would that be, can we do that? We just get her to go out. People in the Paul Scorin's physical report is shaking his head. Oh, yes, oh, yes, 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 yes. We'll send her out this morning to go around the streets of Luton. Just ask. Just do a straw poll. Like, this is how they used to do, um, used to do family fortunes, isn't it? She, she would ask 100 people. We asked 100 people how many uh, of you have downloaded the Ian Lee podcast. 87. Out of 187% of the population, that would mean. Okay, maybe I'm being optimistic. 75, I'll be happy with. We'll send her out a little bit later on uh, and, and find out. Oh, I can't wait. I think I'm going to be very pleased with the results. Very pleased indeed. Uh, let's have a quick look at what Trent Reznor's on the front page of The Guardian. Who's Trent Reznor? He's, is he Nine Inch Nails? Yes, okay. Um, and chilling out. Ice lollies for Eid. Muslim girls in Burgess Park, South London, celebrate Eid, marking the end of fasting for Ramadan. If I had been fasting for Ramadan, I wouldn't be going for an ice lolly, to be honest. I'd be having something a little bit more uh, adequate than an ice lo- uh, lolly. Uh, the mafia boss um, living in a semi, oh, in Uxbridge. Buy to let fuels property boom and go home campaign denounced by human rights groups. Those are those ridiculous vans driving around parts of London saying, listen, if you're an illegal, jog on. Jog on, fellas. The Daily Telegraph. Uh, Met fraud scored to, to probe BBC payoffs. Gulp. It wasn't me, Governor. British birth rates highest in Europe. See, we are good at doing something, and what we're good at doing is doing it. Um, 38 charity bosses earning £100,000. The number of charity executives paid more than £100,000 a year has risen sharply. There has also been a marked increase in those paid more than £60,000 a year. National Trust, RSPCA, NSPCC, Guide Dogs. 
WWF, huh? Hulk Hogan, RSPB, Shelter and Bernardo's. Is that so bad they're paid £100,000 a year? Oh, OK. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. In a second, we'll be talking to Paul Scoynes. Uh, emergency services have come up with a plan. Well, they want a separate tax for blue light services. So instead of it coming out of your council tax, it would come out of a separate tax. Does that sound ridiculous? Or are you thinking, actually, that's not a bad idea. 08459 455 555. This sounds like a comedy song, doesn't it? Um, chicka, um, chicka, um. It's not. It's very serious. Little bit of Johnny Cash. Can't go wrong with a little bit of Johnny Cash. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, emergency services should be funded by a separate tax rather than council tax. That's according to the Chief Fire officer of the Bucks and MK Fire Service. Mark Jones says the public would be willing to pay more if it knew it was going to be spent on emergency services. Well, our political reporter, Paul Scoynes, has more on this. But what, what does he mean? Well, essentially, in at the moment, your emergency services are paid for in part. Certainly the, the, the sort of things like the fire service and the police are paid for in part by your council tax and uh, each of those uh, sort of services sets its budget it uh, it then goes to the councils and says we want you to increase it by this much um or, you know that's how they call it a precept so they set that uh, and and effectively what he says is that at the moment he can't raise it beyond a certain amount because uh, you have to go to a referendum if you if you want to raise it too much and he says that uh, you know that is restricting the growth of the fire service is also potentially meaning that it's shrinking beyond you know how big it needs to be uh, and he would like a separate tax that effectively would would cover all the costs how would it work well there isn't really any I mean, this doesn't happen at the moment. It's mm. got a very technical term. It's called hypothecation of taxes. And what it means is that a separate tax to pay for a certain thing. So you could say that they levy a tax on cigarettes and that governments say, well, that's because smoking's so bad for you, it needs to go back into the health service. Well, it does in time, but it doesn't go necessarily to be spent on lung mm. cancer and various sort of smoking-related illnesses. And what they... You know, what the argument is that, that you would have this sort of separate tax, you would therefore make the public more aware of the fact that they're spending money on the emergency services, and as a result of that, they would be more willing to accept a rise because they would be saying, well, we know it's going to go to, you know, fire services, we, we approve of those, we like the work that the fire service does, um, and, and they'd be more willing to, to accept a rise. In that. Why hasn't this been done before? Well, there are some advantages and disadvantages to it. Now, the, the sort of transparency that we talk about, uh, th that's what the, the sort of the, the, the selling point in some ways. What the government has saying, and, and the Treasury, I spoke to them yesterday, and they said, well, we don't do this. Uh, there, is a t there is a danger, they say, of a, a sort of earmarked, a specific taxation that could be deemed tokenism. Mm. They also worry that if you have a specific tax for specific things, that some things will become popular and people will pay that tax and people might not pay others. Say, for example, you had a tax for the health service, you had a tax for schools, people were quite happy with that, but if you didn't have children, you'd be well, I don't want to pay my school tax. Yes. I don't have children. So might go for if you had an army tax for example people might not necessarily want to contribute to that uh, and they also say that ultimately it uh, it might 
uh, sort of lead to a rise in tax ultimately. So we could end up paying more money as a result well, this of is, this. Uh, I mean, I've been looking at a, a document from the House of Commons, and they did this uh, study on whether or not it would work. Not specifically in the case of fire services, but they looked at the NHS a peace tax as well, and various green taxes as well. So, um, and those a, pe- co- a peace tax. Yes. Wowzers. Okay. That's a tangent to go off on. <laughs> I think I probably need to read a bit more. Yes. On that. But um, ultimately, the, the you know the concern is that you could have unrestricted growth of taxes. This is something that Mark Jones says wouldn't happen. It wouldn't mean that you would suddenly just see a rise to the top. What, it's, what he's, he says, this protects the service about, against any further shrinkage in the but future. But what happens if you don't pay the tax? Well, the, you, you get a fire at your house, they turn up and say, oh, oh, I'm sorry, number 62, Mr <laughs> Jones, you've not paid, we're not putting that fire out. Well, I don't know as it's been explored that far, but uh, certainly Mark Jones might know that. But I guess at the moment, if you don't pay your tax, you, you get fined and, you, you, you know, they come after you. So uh, I couldn't see that changing, and mm. that certainly happens at the moment with council tax, although we know at the moment there's huge problems with unpaid council tax and that would be the you know the concern that they would have there i would imagine that the majority of uh, the people listening to this why they uh, while they uh, respect uh, at least the ambulance and the, the fire brigade and some respect the police some don't surprisingly uh, but uh, they would be reluctant to pay a separate tax i would imagine well i, I, I can ask you to listen you can let me know would you be reluctant to pay a separate tax for the, the blue light services oh eight four five nine four double five five double five uh paul anything else on this well no i think i mean you, you know i've spoken to various other people and the the, the taxpayers alliance are going to come on later on yep. and their worry is that you've already got a sort of a, a power to raise that tax under council tax mm. mark jones's view is that well yes we do but uh, you know if that pushes beyond a certain amount you have to have a cost referendum uh, and you, you spend a lot of the money that you would want to recoup from taxes on a referendum mm. uh, and actually you know if you have that tax that sort of people could identify with i'm paying my fire tax i'm you know that i'm happy if that's going up because i want my house to be protected from fire by the fire brigade um that would be a good solution. So it would be interesting to see whether it would happen. Uh, I should say it has been introduced in several countries. I think Australia has something similar to it. But, uh, you know, it hasn't happened here. It would seem that the Treasury are very much against it. I think the Treasury like to keep hold of what they've got. Yes. They like to keep their sort of little taxation wall up, if you like. Mm. And uh, I think this would certainly be a little bit of a challenge to it. Paul Scoyne, thank you very much. What do you think? Would you like a separate tax? Would you like to pay a little bit more? 08459 455 555. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, there is a podcast of this show. When I'm away for the next two weeks, don't panic. You can carry me around in your pocket. Or as they say in France, dans la pocket. By having me on your iPod. There are other MP3 players available, but let's be honest, that's, that's the best one. No, there are there are others, of course. Um, and uh, so the thing is, podcasters have been out for what about six weeks now, seven weeks, something like that. And I'm I'm keen to gauge how popular it is. It's difficult to get figures from iTunes and the relevant authorities. So I thought, well, well let's let's send out a man, nay, woman on the street, out to speak to the man or indeed the woman on the street. I'm getting tongue tied here, so let's just go to Sophie. Good morning, Sophie. Did you just call me a man? Well, now technically, yes, I did. Thanks. You're welcome. Um, it's the big hands and the Adam's apple. Now, <laughs> now, <gasps> Sophie, I'm, f- I'm feeling skittish. Ignore me because I'm, go- I'm on my holidays. Uh, my my yeah, holiday good. starts I'm at eight. Pretty sure on your holidays. Eight fifty nine and thirty seconds. I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> now listen, Sophie. The podcast. Have you listened to the podcast? Do you do a podcast? 
Okay, it's. Um, uh, I, I want to get. Can we? Can someone have a word with Sophie about her on air etiquette, please? Uh, it, it's. It's. Uh, I'm. I, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I'm banking a lot on this, Sophie. I'm hoping yeah. it's very popular. Would you be able to go around the streets of Luton this morning and ask 100 people? Um, have you downloaded? Have you listened to the Ian Lee podcast? I would. I would imagine. I'm kind of guessing here. I'd imagine there'd be like an 80 percent. Update. 80% of the people you asked today will go, yeah, I love it, I've got it, it's brilliant. Well, I Ma- don't know. What's in it? Well, me. You? Am I in it? You won't be, no. Well, it's raining. You want me to go out there now? Why couldn't Dealey do this show and Coffers? That's why I want to know. So I reckon 80% people will say, yes, they've got it, they love it. Right. 10% will say, oh, no, I didn't know about it, but thanks for telling me, Sophie. I'll go and download it now. 5% will say, oh, I don't like him. He's an idiot. But they'll be thinking of Richard Bacon, so you can correct them on that. And the last 5%, well, who knows what the last 5% will say. I I imagine um, it'll be, um, you know... Something rude. So you're probably using something me. Like, they'll probably say this. Me no speak English. So we'll ignore those guys. You're using me for your advertising campaign. Is that what you're trying to say? Um. You want me to market your brand? Well, I want you to. I want you to gauge the market. Right. And um. But yes, ultimately that's correct. Okay. I'll go now. Can you? When you're talking to um, uh, listeners, as I like to call them, punters. Yeah. Could you not have? A cob on. Oh, okay. I'll try. So just let's hear that. Let's hear light, Sophie. Yeah, yeah. Let's okay. Hear, let's hear not. Right, so- wait. Okay. Hi. Um. Have you have you downloaded in in Lee's podcast? Oh, for goodness. Oh wait. Four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. If you want to give me a call, facebook.com forward slash BBC three CR or send me a text eight one three double three. Start your text three CR. Why couldn't Dealey do this show as well as Nick Coffins? Coming up, it's our BBC introducing track of the week. But before that, let's get the weather with Elizabeth Rizzini. Hi. Good morning, Ian. You feeling all right today? Are you all right? Are you listening? So I wasn't listening. I was I was um, giving my uh, production team a right royal rollicking, Elizabeth. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, Sorry. What were you, what were you saying? No, no. Say it again. Go on. It's a milder start to the day. No, today. hang on. What, is that what you were saying? Yes. Oh. Okay. I asked you if you were feeling okay after uh, your hmm, I, 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 rather long note there. <laughs> I can go for longer than that. Can you? I'll challenge you one day. <laughs> all right. Let's do it. Ta-da. <laughs> so that's the forecast. Thank you. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, one of the uh, things we like to do here every week is introduce some new local music to you. Introduce some new local music. We'll talk to Anthony after this. I want to get this done. We've, we've, the last couple of weeks we've had to clip the tracks short, mainly because bands these days, their songs are too long. Three minutes 22 is the perfect length, and that's the length that uh, this next uh, artist, Jay Louise, has, uh, has uh, recorded for us. Uh, it's, uh, w- what's the name of the show, Kelly Betts, at the weekend? It's actually called BBC Introducing. OK, and it's got a lot of, uh, lot of fans on the internet who are always keen to hear Just new... Just a lot of fans in general, Yeah, actually. but on the, the internet. Uh, but uh, always keen to hear new, unsigned local bands mm-hmm. getting their first breaks. And there have been successes from BBC Introducing, haven't there? Lots of successes. There are three of our artists playing at Reading and Leeds on the Bank Holiday Monday weekend. And some of them get pay- played on, on proper radio stations like as well. Like Radio 1. They do. Extra. Yeah, Radio 2 as well, played mm. some of our acts. Which is very exciting. Now, uh, if you've got a, a, a 
bad or your children or your grandchildren have got a bad and you think oh they're blooming awful but they might because you do think that don't you when, you when it's kids music and you're an old person oh flipping hell that's awful but it'll be perfect for bbc introducing they can upload it bbc.co.uk forward slash introducing who have we got today they can do that if they also think that they're good good idea well, well done yeah Good for flagging that up. Who have we got today and so why? we've got Jay Louise. Yep. She is an R&B soul singer and takes her inspiration from Otis Redding and Justin Timberlake and a bit of Usher as well. <laughs> I love that. Otis Redding and Justin Timberlake. Oh, OK. Well, they're both quite soulful. Yeah, one's so good. That's One's good, one's still alive. Yes. Um, and that's what they've... Well, that's what she's gone for, the sort of soulful... Well, would you like to introduce the song? Yeah, what's... It? Oh, wait, uh, it's called... Uh, it's Jay Louise and it's called What Would you do oh eight four five nine four double five five double five well i i thoroughly enjoyed that and I, I, i'll be honest i don't normally that was i'm joking i'm joking i'm joking it was jay louise she's from watford um I thought that was, uh, excellent stuff indeed it did sound like a gentleman though didn't it thought it was a gentleman but she's uh, she's playing acoustically tomorrow on uh, bbc introducing which is on at eight o'clock on bbc three counties radio now, uh, some people, including the chief uh, fire officer for uh, Milton Keynes Fire Service, wants to introduce a separate tax for blue light services. Good idea. What do you think, Anthony and Milton Keynes? Hello, Ian. Hello, Anthony. You all right? Did you enjoy that song? Yeah, it was good. She was good, wasn't she? Yeah. I yeah, like that. It was like it was professional good. and stuff. Yeah. Right, what I want to say to you, Ian, yes. I'm all for the, like, the frontline services, how they do a wonderful job and everything, yep. like the ambulance and police. Fire brigade, yeah, fantastic. Yep. But no, I wouldn't pay a tax on it, mate. Oh. Because the reason is you'd be going to work for nothing. Well, what's the point of going to work if you're going to keep paying everything out? You don't get nothing back in return, even when you do pay your tax. Well, if you paid your tax towards the fire service, you would have the, the, the security and the safety of knowing uh, that if your house was on fire or your cat got stuck up a tree, they'd come and help you. Yeah, but you, you, you pay for it anyway. Well, I mean, why pay more? It's going to come to the stage eventually where you're going to go to work and you ain't going to get nothing nothing uh, out of your wages. It's, it's just a waste of time. Supposing, supposing, supposing they took 100 quid a year off your council tax, OK, and yeah. then for this blue light service you paid 150 quid a year. Yeah. That's got to be worth it, hasn't it? It's got to be worth that security, that knowledge. Because yeah, but, I mean, don't... The, 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 the fire brigade, the police, and the ambulance get their money through other ways and all, like doing events and things. I don't think events want to pay it. Yeah, like charity events. Right? Well, the char- I think the charity events go to charity, don't they? Well, no, I mean for them, for them in general. That the, when they do like a charity car wash, it goes to the fire service or something like that. Because I've seen it advertised then. I wonder... Do you know, I've seen those... Uh, 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 you know when they do the car washes, the firemen, do they use the big hose? Because I would I would yeah. certainly pay top dollar <laughs> to see that. Yeah. But I, <laughs> where, where does that money go to? Well, I, I believe it goes to the uh, Fire Brigade uh, Benevolence Fund and things. Well, uh, well, the Fire Brigade Benevolence Fund, that's to help, like, injured and um, retired firemen, isn't it? That's not to pay for new oh. fire trucks and shiny poles. It'd be interesting to see, though, Ian, when you put this out, to see what other, if whether other people agree with me. But yep. like I said to you at the start of, of your show, they do a terrific service. You, you cannot knock their service. But yep. would people want to pay it, mate? I'm, I'm not so sure. Anthony Milton Keynes, thank you very much. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Tammy says, good idea in principle. There'll be a lot of resistance to it in the current economic climate. Gary says, no way. 
we pay enough tax as it is. And Kevin says, oh yeah, please, I'd love to pay another tax on top of all the other taxes I'm paying. But the thing is, the fire service, the the police service, and the ambulance service are stretched. They are beyond stretched. They've snapped in some places. They need more money. And yet they could put up um, uh, council tax, but if they wanted to put it up enough, uh, they'd have to have a referendum. That would cost money, waste of money. So, kind of makes sense doesn't it you have a separate tax and you know exactly where that tax is going and you pay a little bit more i don't know if you've had to call an ambulance or the uh, fire brigade or the police i have uh, all of those things at various points in my life uh, and i don't know imagine if you dial 999 yeah can i get the fire brigade please yeah um they're not in today huh well, they've run out of money they'll, they'll, c- can you wait till tuesday well, no, my cat is up a tree and the tree's on fire. Ah, uh, well, no, sorry. Isn't it? Imagine if that happened. 08459, I'm exaggerating slightly, but you get the point. 08459, 455, 555. Surely it's a good idea to have a separate tax for blue light services and, and, and maybe pay a little bit more money. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Having a couple of weeks off. Don't worry, though, the excellent Justin Dealey will be sitting in for me, just as he's sitting in for Nick Coffer today. He's a good lad. Lots coming up on the show this morning, though, so don't panic. Don't panic, Mr Mannering. I'll be speaking to a woman from Brickhill who is angry after experiencing painstaking delays by Bedford Hospital when she took her little girl in with concussion. The Chief Fire Officer of the Bucks and MK Fire Service says emergency services should be funded by a separate tax rather than council tax. Well, would you like to pay a separate tax for emergency services? And apparently, confidence in the job market is improving. Well, that's at least according to a new survey carried out by the National Careers Service. What do you think? Do you feel more confident in the job market? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Just quickly, we were uh, talking about the fire service and how the um, chief fire officer, Mark Jones, has suggested that it might be a good idea if blue light services had a separate tax. So you get a tiny reduction, or a, a little reduction, on your council tax. Uh, and then you'd pay maybe a little bit more, but a separate tax towards ambulance, fire engine and uh, police. Well, we've had a, a, an interesting text in from someone who says they are a Buckinghamshire firefighter. They wish to remain anonymous. Uh, he says he had no idea about his own chief fire officer, Mark Jones, floating this idea. He'd heard about it this morning from me on the radio. Oh, that's good, isn't it? The chief fire officer's communicating with his, his, his men and women. Uh, the anonymous uh, firefighter texts, I would be against this. It would be like privatising the service. There was a case of this in the US where the fire service turned up to a house which was on fire, found out they hadn't paid their tax, and they left the house to burn down. 
Also, any money raised by the fire service, this is a little side point we were discussing, goes to a charity which helps firefighters hurt in action and their family. 08459 455555. This morning, Bedford Hospital again. And there's already a flaw in the plan to dispatch children's services to other nearby hospitals. The children's ward closed last Thursday and by Friday a problem had occurred. Kelly Bloor took her nine-month-old daughter Lola into the hospital with concussion on Friday. She joins me now. Morning, Kelly. What, what happened uh, to Lola? Um, basically, she had a fall um, and banged the back of her head, so oh we took her to A&E. Um, uh, Bedford Hospital? Yeah, at yep. Bedford Hospital on Friday evening. Um, they were absolutely fantastic. Saw her straight away. Um, you know, we had a CT scan. Everything was fine. But it was decided that because she had concussion, she needed to be observed. So we'd have to stay in the hospital. Right. And, of course, the Bedford Hospital aren't allowing kids to stay in the hospital anymore. No, absolutely not. So we were told at um, 10 o'clock there was an ambulance waiting outside and we would be transferred to Milton Keynes, where she would be observed. Right. So we left the hospital went outside and there was actually no ambulance there um the staff no one really knew where the ambulance was um everybody was sort of ringing around trying to find the crew um it actually transpired that there were two ambulances but only one crew working because apparently at night um there's only one crew being assigned oh okay is this assigned specifically to take people to milton Keynes, or just just out and about generally no, there's apparently... So we were told on Friday there's two transfer ambulances right. that take the children to the various hospitals they need to go to, and actually there were two paediatric nurses also. So when we were waiting, it, it transpired that one at the ambulance with the crew had actually taken another child to Cambridge right. with a paediatric nurse, and we were left at Bedford with a paediatric nurse waiting for this ambulance to come back from Cambridge. OK, so you're told at 10 o'clock there's an ambulance outside, out you go, you yeah. go out there, there's no ambulance, what happens next? We were, t- we were put into, like, a little sort of waiting area in a side room, and um, that's where we waited, and people kept sort of coming in saying, oh, you know, we're just looking, we're trying to find out what's going on. Um, and then eventually um, we were told, oh, it's on its way back, we're waiting for that ambulance that went to, Milton Ke- uh, went to Cambridge, sorry. And um, half past 12 we left. So you, you've been waiting for two and a half hours? Yeah. And during that two and a half hours, were you and Lola in this room on your own? Was there a nurse with you? Was she being monitored? Um, this was the really annoying thing, actually. There was a paediatric nurse um, in the room with us for the two and a half hours and then for the journey. Um, so it was just really frustrating because the staff are there, but actually she was monitoring Lola, um, but we were just not allowed to stay there. We had to be moved to Milton Keynes, so we had to go in this ambulance. It does seem odd. So you, you did have a nurse there who was monitoring yeah. you for the two and a half hours, and that nurse came with you uh, uh, on the ambulance. Did they yeah. give uh, Lola a cot or, or a bed or anything? Um, no, the whole time she was sat on my knee oh. in a side room um, because we were taken out of the cubicle to go to the ambulance. So then obviously um, that cubicle was given to somebody else, so now we were just put in a, um, like a side room by the ambulance bay. And they couldn't even find a little bed to put for, for her to lie down in, have a little rest. Because when, when, when you've bumped your head and you've got concussion, you know, you, you, exactly. you, 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 you need to be comfortable, I would have imagined. Yeah. And it's just, it, the whole thing was silly because I don't think, like, my partner had gone home um, and obviously he wanted to be with his baby too. Yeah. But obviously there was no point in him coming back because we didn't actually know when we were leaving because we were always supposed to have gone. So we were just sort of sat waiting around. Nobody knew anything, really. How long did it take you, to, to, once you got in the ambulance, to get to Milton Keynes? 
Um, we arrived at Milton Keynes, I think, about 20 past one in the morning. Um, but that was just as ridiculous, because when we arrived there, nobody actually... The crew didn't know where, where they were going. Um, and then they eventually found the entrance they were supposed to go to. Then nobody knew where the ward was. Oh. So we were sort of just wandering around. Um, was, was, Milton, was, was Milton Keynes Hospital expecting you? Uh, when we got there, yeah, they said, oh, um, the staff had sort of said, right, um, transfer from Bedford. Um, and we were put, um, we were given a cot for Lola. Um, and about 20 past three was when the paperwork and everything was done. And I was told, right, you know, that's sort of it till the morning now. How worrying was that? The whole experience? It was, it was really worrying because although Milton Keynes, you know, a lot of people will say it's only the next county. The thing is, you know, I don't have any family in Milton Keynes. I was on my own. I had no money. It was an unexpected transfer because, you know, we didn't expect to be there. Yeah. Um, and I just don't think it's not safe for children. You know, OK, we had a paediatric nurse there, but we all know children can go downhill very quickly. Mm. Um, and I just don't think the provisions are there for that at all. You know, waiting two and a half hours in a side room really isn't acceptable for a nine-month-old it, it, it sounds like uh, obviously when i've had to rush my kids to hospital and, and of course yeah. it's it's terrifying and it, you know it, the poor things uh, it, it sounds as well as the stress of you know having a nine-month-old girl with con- concussion it sounds like it was it was pretty chaotic yeah i don't think anybody actually really knew what was going on and it was you know when i got to milton Keynes, i, I at least expected somebody to know where they were going mm. um but you know to me if you're going to implement a big change like that at least walk it through and make sure every single person involved knows exactly what they're doing um which clearly isn't the case because nobody really understood what was going on kelly you're a childminder as well as having uh, yeah. lola d- d- does this concern you i yeah i just to be honest i just think that they're putting children at risk because you know bedford's a big place um the, the hospital covers you know um lots of children and i just think you know at the end of the day you shouldn't be having to experience wait times like that. And obviously, when the hospital responded, you know, it's always going to be the same. Because actually, if that hospital is taking the child somewhere else, you, you're always going to have to wait for an mm. ambulance to be transferred. That's never going to improve. The important thing, Kelly, how is Loda now? Um, she's fine. She's been cheeky downstairs with her daddy. Aren't, aren't they just so cheeky? I Those know. little monkeys. <laughs> they're hard work, but they're, 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 they're the most fun in the world, aren't they? Oh, absolutely, yes. Yeah, well, Kelly, listen, I'm, I'm glad she's, she's, uh, she's well and she's recovered. And thank you for yeah. bringing that to our attention. It's Kelly Bloor, who took her nine-month-old daughter to Lola, uh, Lola to Bedford Hospital. Uh, Milton Keynes Hospital referred us to Bedford Hospital, and we asked them. They wouldn't put a spokesperson up, but they, uh, they declined our request, but they did give us this statement. They say, this is Bedford Hospital, we apologise to Miss Bloor for the wait she and her daughter experienced on Friday. Lola was seen within 20 minutes of coming to A&E where a CT scan was carried out. A decision to transfer Lola for admission to Milton Keynes Hospital could only be made once the scan report was available. Lola's condition was not considered life-threatening, so we booked non-emergency transport to Milton Keynes. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. So... Chief Fire Officer of Milton Keynes says, yes, let's reduce council tax a little bit and then let's have a separate tax for the blue light services. You might pay a little bit more for it, but you'll know exactly where it's going and it means they can raise a bit more cash. Stephen Hemmel, what do you think? Good idea? Well, you know what? No, I don't. 
I, I think the problem here is that, yes, I agree that they need to raise more funds, but what they should do, and what this government keeps saying they're going to do, and GPs keep saying, for instance, is that you don't turn up for an appointment at your GP, you'll be fined. So you make a false call to the fire ambulance or police service, you will be fined for that, and I'll guarantee you that there will be more funds raised through that route than there would through tax. Who, what do you mean by a false call? Well, I think, you know, I think anything that is non-emergency, i.e. a cat up a tree, is not a fireman's job. Simple as that. You know, get a ladder and get it down yourself or let it drop down. You know, it's not a problem. Oh, Steve, you heart- is- you're so heartless. If, if, if 96-year-old Mrs Bridger from Milton Keynes has got little tiddles stuck up a tree for three days, then who's she going to call? She calls her grandson to get a ladder and get up and get it. It's sorry, it's that is non-emergency. It is piffle. And the fact is that I am sick to death of having to pay tax for other people's, you know, um, they, it, it, it's, it's misuse of a service, of an emergency service. I'm fed up with people ringing up the police saying, I think I've seen a UFO. And you're on the phone for five minutes trying to get... Steve? Steve, we, Steve we, we, we lost you there for a little bit. I, th- I think that's maybe because uh, he was questioning the uh, authenticity of UFOs and the government and the police did not want us. Should we call the police and make sure Steve's OK? No, we, we, perhaps we shouldn't. Uh, 08459. Thank you, Steve. I think your point was made. The line was breaking up a little bit, so we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. 08459 455 555. Right, quarter past seven. So there is a podcast of this show. I know lots of you, lots of you on, on Facebook, particularly on the Drive With Rob page, will be missing me for the next couple of weeks. I'm sorry about that, guys. Uh, listen, I, I give as much of my, myself as I can. I need a break. I'm just going to be sat at home playing Xbox for two weeks. I hope you don't mind. Don't panic. Justin Dealey's coming in to cover for me. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Well, you can also listen to my voice while I'm away. You can listen on the BBC iPlayer, or you can go and download my podcast. It's kind of a weekly best of, comes out every Friday. You can go to, uh, to the BBC Three Counties page. There is a podcast link, or if you go to iTunes and type in Ian Lee, uh, BBC, it will pop up. So uh, you can go and listen to that. And I- I'm just trying to gauge how popular it is. I would imagine that, that most people probably have downloaded it. Ken's in Luton. Ken, are you a fan of the podcast? Well, I'm not, really, because I, I oh. usually listen to it. But there's a slight flaw in your argument. In my, really. in which argument? Well, you're going to send a researcher out to find out how popular you are. That's very um, noble of you to call Sophie Solaria a researcher. But, 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 there's a flaw in it. A flaw in Sophie Solaria? Yeah. Do you, do you redo it in seven different languages. Sorry? Do you redo your podcast in seven different languages? I just need to check with um, the podcast production team, Kelly Betts. Kelly, do you remind me, do we do the podcast in seven different languages? Can I have a... Uh, no, just one. Just, and that uh, one is... It's English. It's, it's just English, Ken. Oh, uh, well, you'll only get a 5% result then, won't you? Why is, why is that? Well, because people in Luton, we've got every nationality under the sun that can't speak English. Uh, I, I think that there is significantly more than 95% of Lutonians can, uh, f- sorry, significantly right, more than 5% then. of Lutonians can speak English. 20% then. I think it might be a bit, where have you got these stats from, Ken? Well, let's put it like this, Ian. Okay. When I get anything from the council, yeah. they say, if you want it in this language or that language, I've got to send something off to them. Yeah to say that I want it in that language. Well, if one 
someone wants to listen to your podcast, yes. they've got to turn around and say, well, no, they don't do it in your language, mate. Hard luck. Which which language do you ask for? Well, like, sometimes I ask for Urdu or something like that. D- d- uh, do you? No. Oh. I mean, it's like these fellows that sit there in the council, yeah. wasting people's time and money, oh. saying, shall we close Pointers Road all at once? Not quite sure. Or half what an hour. to do with the podcast. Or shall we make but half the street cleaners redundant? Yes. Or have nice bus stops? That's not connected to the podcast. No, but you will see my argument, you see. I won't. Well, it's like this fire chief come up with his idea of making us pay a He's separate talking about tax. the podcast. Yes. You see? Uh-huh. Now, if someone wants to listen to that... Yes. What? ...who don't speak English... Yes. No, I think, I think, I think a lot of people, I think the majority of people in Luton do speak English. They're also, they've also got, they're also cleverer than you and I, Ken. Yeah, but you see... Because they speak an other, another, at least one other language fluently. I don't, do you? No. Now, you see, they're, they're cleverer than us. Yeah, but they, the only Imagine thing... that, Ken. Immigrants, cleverer than us. Yeah, but... I mean, it's a reality. Well, I know that, Ian, yeah. but, you know, we... We come up with these stupid ideas, like... The podcast is not a stupid idea, it's a blooming good one. You were talking about Pointers Road being closed all Again, at once. not connected to the podcast. You have to be a genius, Ian. I, I am. Ken, do you... Basic, final question. Have you downloaded the podcast to listen to while you're looking out of your window? No. Me no speak English. Thank you very much indeed. Ah, oh, dear me. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us uh, a, a call. Again, being a little bit dismissive of uh, uh, lots of people living... I think most people in Lucian can speak English, can't they? And what people do... Oh, all these immigrants coming over here, they don't speak English very well. They don't speak... It, not, may not speak it particularly well, but they speak two languages. How many do you speak? How many do you speak? Now, here's a, a, a horrific uh, story... Um, oh no, we're not. We're, we're waiting for Gavin now. Are we shall we? Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll wait a little bit and uh, let us know when he turns up. Let's do some text, shall we? Thank you very much. I had brain freeze there for a second. Ah, the blue, uh, the blue light tax that's being suggested. Pat says, blue light tax for blue light services would mean we could get a rebate if the fire service failed to save my house from burning down, as an example, or the ambulance failed to meet the time expected to attend an incident. Oh, wait for it. If the police failed to attend a crime of any kind, they would be bankrupt. It just would not work, because we would expect a response every time to any situation, and we know this just would not happen. We get a response most times, don't we, from the blue light services? I've never had a problem when I've called the fire brigade, the police or the ambulance. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, uh, I'm uh, lucky, aren't I? Maybe I'm just lucky. I always get a response, and a darn good response from them. And Billy from Milton Keynes, is he suggesting a return to insurance fire marks? I've literally no idea what that means, Billy. I'm guessing that's from a long time ago. So please do, uh, do get in touch and uh, fill me in. Now, two teenagers who were attacked with acid on the East African island of Zanzibar are expected back in the UK this morning on an emergency medical evacuation flight. Katie G and Kirsty Trupp, who are both 18, were volunteering as teachers on the island for a charity when the incident happened. Police say two men on a moped threw the acid at them as they walked in the street. They were then flown to the Tanzanian? Tanzanian. That's it. I knew I'd get that wrong when it came up. Capital Dar es Salaam for treatment. We can get an update now from our reporter, Gavin Lee. Gavin, what more is known about what happened? Well, there were 
in Stonetown, one of the main towns on the island, on Wednesday night, and they were walking the old part of the town. There were lots of the tourists, there were some locals in the street as well, so it wasn't completely quiet. And the police have said the two men drove up very quickly, and in an instant they threw this bucket of acid at them. One of the women was splashed uh, in the face and the chest, the other was hit in the arm and stomach. They were screaming, obviously it was burning them, and there were people nearby, tourists, some locals that went to help, and they grabbed one of the girls, they actually threw her into the sea, and were told her injuries, injuries aren't as bad because of that, wow. because of the effect of the salt water. The other one who was um, had worse burns they tried to shower her with a hose pipe and an eyewitness has said they tried to but the sort of after about five minutes they ran out of water and then about an hour and a half after that they were airlifted to hospital to Dar es Salaam in Tanzania where they got treated all day they were flown out late last night on this medical evacuation airlift they're traveling now we expect them back in the next couple of hours we're not sure how bad the injuries are the only thing we know they're not they're not life-threatening they're said to be in good spirits but one of the the women who was attacked in the face and chest is said to be in a worse condition her worse fa- uh, facial burns and they'll both go straight to hospital in the UK they'll remain there for the foreseeable too have the local police said any more? Well, they've said they've put out a ransom for the two men, so they obviously haven't caught them yet. Um, they have had a lot of detail, they've said, in terms of descriptions from eyewitnesses. They pointed to what they see at the moment as an isolated incident, but they have said that there had been tensions in Zanzibar in the past, um, certainly between the local Muslim population and some of the tourists, and there are tens of thousands of Brits who come each year. But the issue that they've had is uh, of tourists not dressing conservatively enough. And there was a tweet, actually, uh, last week by one of these women, sort of, uh, this is the second week of their, their what was going to be the three-week trip there, and the t- tweet said that she had been punched because she was singing during Ramadan. Um, but the charity that they were working for said that it wasn't going to be an issue for them. They were dressing conservatively, they've been savvy for the last two weeks on local custom and culture, so they're seeing it as an isolated random attack too at the moment. Uh, and the girls of, of families, what have, what have they said? Well, the two mothers have, for the two girls have um, issued a statement jointly through a spokesperson to say that they're just relieved that it's not worse than it was, and obviously that they're extremely upset and devastated at hearing all of the, the news. They see it as a completely unprovoked attack. They said the girls had been considering going on holiday to Ibiza, to uh, Magaluf, but they'd gone to to help people in Zanzibar. They wanted to do something that it could be useful. Um, the Foreign Office, it's just worth just mentioning advice for anyone thinking about travelling. They have um, given advice to say that you know, they sh- people should be going there being cautious of given what's happened they should check the website they've upgraded their hostile risk advice with lots more information um, and this is a massive issue for the uh, for the island Ian, as well because almost all of the trade comes from tourists so much so that the president stopped off uh, to see the women in hospital before they left last night so they're taking this very seriously gavin lee thank you very much call 08459 555 555 bbc three counties radio we didn't do all of the newspapers did we let's try and squeeze some more of these in shall we well the record player is uh broken can you hear that i cannot turn the record player off there we go done the times uh, there's a picture of those two girls we've just been talking about and troll death website offers to name girls tormentors oh here we go uh, the website blamed for the death of a teenager has offered to name the trolls who tormented her. Oh, oh there'll be some little scrotes at home panicking now. Oh, there'll be some little so-and-sos who are very uncomfortable. After the Prime Minister called on advertisers to boycott it, the two Russian playboys... It's an unnecessary, unnecessary description. Playboys. It, it, it adds an air of flippancy about them, doesn't it? That's not particularly necessary, I think, in this. The two Russian playboys behind Ask FM um, promised to hand over details of anonymous users to police. 
Hannah Smith, 14, of Lutterworth, Leicestershire, hanged herself last week after she was taunted and told to drink bleach. A tribute, tribute website set up in her memory was shut down after it was bombarded by cruel messages. Uh, the mob mentality behind such trolling was laid bare yesterday. After news of Hannah's death broke early this week, trolls writing on a website hosted 5,000 miles away formed a plan to target her grieving uh, 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 friends. Oh, 4chan. Oh, 4chan. Oh, those idiots. I've had 4chan target me. What a bunch of idiots. On the website 4chan, one of the web's biggest chat forums, it's, it's basically a breeding ground for cowards and bullies and idiots, 4chan. A user posted a link to Hannah's Facebook tribute page and encouraged others to attack it. Any R.I.P. Hannah Smith Facebook pages we can make some people butt hurt on? The comment was uh, was followed by other postings, including, My only question is how she found a rope thick enough to support that fat. 4chan is a hideous, hideous place. I've had 4chan target me because they didn't like my radio show. They are cowards. They are bullies. They are very computer savvy. They know how to hack things and they can amass huge armies of internet bullies uh, on a whim. But they are, they are utter, utter scum, those people. Ah, oh, dear. Call 08459 555 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up in the next 30 minutes of the show, including jobs uh, and uh, the uh, fire chief fire officer from Milton Keynes, who's well, he's keen to um, introduce a separate tax for the blue light services. Now, apparently, confidence in the job market is improving. Have you noticed that? Are you feeling more confident? This is according to a new survey carried out by the National Careers Service. It says that 42% of people believe they have the right work experience to get a job. Out of uh, the more than 4,000 people in England who took part in the survey, one in ten, that, ten said they were seeing friends and family in new jobs. Well, Louise Proctor is from the National Careers Service. What do you mean by confidence in the job market is improving? Louise. Good morning. Well, what our survey showed was that uh, three quarters of the country are job confident. So people become more or maintained job confidence in the last three months because of a number of factors. Things like the qualifications that they've got, their job experience, the opportunities that are available to them and the competition for jobs. I don't know what job confident means. It means that uh, somebody's feeling that they're likely to keep their job in, in the current economic um, climate or, if they're unemployed, that they're, they're more likely to get a job than, than, than they thought before. The feeling doesn't bear up with the facts, though, does it? There are the, the huge numbers of people unemployed, people losing their jobs. Uh, so w- w- this confidence is slightly confusing. Well, I think... Um, we're not really comparing like with like there. So these are about people, 4,000 people, as you said. Yeah. Uh, some are uh, em- in employment, some are unemployed, some are economically inactive. And we asked them about how they felt about their their likelihood of keeping their jobs or getting a job. Um, and as you say, um, the, the economic um, situation in some areas isn't as good as others. And... Uh, there are 26% of, of people who we talk to are not feeling as confident, uh, and in fact their confidence was decreasing. And that's where the National Career Service can help. That's where we can supri- provide information, advice and support and encouragement to people to help them make good decisions about their future jobs and careers and to help them to 
prepare them for the jobs market. So there are lots of people listening to this show, I speak to them every day, who have been looking for jobs for months and months and months and they just can't get jobs because there aren't many jobs out there, are there? Well, I think what our survey showed was that people need help with applying for jobs. They need help with their CV. But if the jobs aren't out there, you can have the best CV in the world and all the work experience in the world, but if the job isn't there, Louise, then you're not going to get it, are you? Well, I think what this survey has shown is that that people are confident that there are the jobs out out there uh, and that, therefore, what we want to do is help prepare people to compete in that jobs market for the jobs that are available and that sometimes means means looking at your skills and and updating those applying for the right types of job for for your experience and and the skills that you that you have got the unemployment figures are huge aren't they um i don't know what you mean by huge well uh, there are massive numbers of people unemployed that's what i mean by huge um of course we would we 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 do think that the unemployment figures could be much better and that's where the national career service can really help because what we can, we do is is work with people to um prepare them to apply for those jobs and um in your area in the last 3 months 62% of unemployed people looking for work have updated their CVs. Nine in ten have visited the job centre and two in five have used all uh, the National Career Service. And that, that's good news because they're the people who are going to, to be able to compete in that, that, that job market. Uh, the unemployment figures uh, for, for May uh, of 2013, I'm just trying to get the details up in front of me. Well, we're close to a, a million young people unemployed. Uh, I'm just confused where this optimism comes from, Louise, because I speak, I'm going to speak to Nigel from Hemel in a second, who I know is, is, has been struggling to find work, uh, and we're not hearing that optimism here. We're hearing people who are depressed and uh, feel abandoned. This was an independent survey commissioned by the National Career Service for ICM Research, and we spoke to people in different circumstances, and this is what we're telling them. We've got this benchmark now. We'll revisit that, and we'll we'll see how people feel in the next three months. Um, and what we want to do is to focus on those 26% who are not so job confident and to help them... Um, get more confident uh, uh, and uh, get back into work okay louise we'll, we'll end it with louise proctor from the national career service obviously doing a little uh, bit of a plug for the career service and they do great stuff they can help you with cvs and interviewing skills and uh, help you give you that that little edge that you might need um to help you get a job but job confidence is increasing really we've got some of the worst unemployment figures we've had in years. Nigel is from Hemel Hempstead and has been searching for a job since January 2010. Morning, Nigel. Good morning. You feeling job confident? Well, not really, no, because uh, the market doesn't bear out that uh, the right sort of jobs are coming onto the market. Uh, I've made, uh, since 2010, I've made uh, 3,274 applications. I actually keep a log of them. Um, And uh, the vast majority of the applications I make, I probably only get 1% uh, any reply from the agencies that I contact or the companies I contact, and the vast majority of them say that they're, they're overwhelmed with applicants. What, are you, I, what kind of jobs are you... So just give me that figure again, Nigel. How many jobs have you applied for since 2010? 3,274. Wow. And what kind of jobs are you applying for? You're applying to be the Queen or something? <laughs> I'm, no, I'm a credit manager, a qualified credit manager. Uh, I've been a qualified credit manager for over 18 years. Yeah. 
Um, and I'm very good at my job. I'm very good at what I do. Um, but I found that it's incredibly difficult to get a job out there because there are hundreds, if not thousands, of people uh, applying for the very same job. Um, the, the situation at the moment, as you, as you um, pointed out earlier, there are over a million people between the ages of 18 and 24 who are out of work, and they seem to be getting most of the jobs that are coming online at the moment, which are very low-paid low jobs being advertised. But the more important fact is there are over a million people who've been out of work long-term since, and it's the largest amount since 1996, those, those people who've been out of work long-term, like myself from, since 2010, find it very difficult to get back into employment because there's a gap in the job history. And, and so there isn't that much confidence in the job market yet. Uh, it's mainly the government who are talking it up, saying, oh, we're all confident, hoping that employers will actually put new jobs onto the market. But any jobs that are coming onto the market are coming on at very low salaries. And that seems to be the, uh, what I'm actually seeing at the moment. I'm applying for jobs that are about 50% of the salary that I would be getting previously. Uh, but I'm making the applications and going on to these, uh, get, making these applications to these jobs. You, you, you say that you've, you're applying for jobs that are 50% less than that perhaps you should be earning. We're, we're all struggling. We're, everyone's taking little pay cuts here and there. May, should you be lowering your science even more, Nigel? And maybe not applying for, for jobs involved with credit management, but maybe... I don't know, working in Tesco's or something. Well, I, I do actually apply for other jobs uh, as well. I'm not just um, jobs that I've, I, I'm actually uh, capable of doing, that I'm skilled for. Um, and um, the, the other thing that, that uh, is important is if you do take up a job, say, working in Tesco's or working on a building society, whatever you're doing, um, chances are you are still going to be on the government pay because you're going to be on tax credit. You're moved off job seekers' allowance onto tax credit. It, it pays the government if you get into a job at the right salary that, um, um, for the skills that you have because then you're paying tax. But if you are taking up any job, absolutely any job, not only does the employer not get confidence because he thinks you'll probably leave and go to the job that you are properly skilled for, but it also means that the government's going to be paying the tax credit to make up the difference so that you, will, um, uh, um, uh, so you can afford to live on the reduced salary. How uh, much of your time, Nigel, is taken up applying for jobs? Uh, about four or five hours every day. Mm. Um, and I, I do it in a strict routine every day. I go through the emails to see what the agencies have got, contact the agencies, contact friends. I, I do the whole thing. I've been through the work programme uh, completely. I've finished the work programme now. Um, and uh, they were helpful in that they pointed out some ways that I can improve my CV, which is just what Louise does in uh, helping you to update your application skills. But it doesn't help if there's no jobs out there, which is what you pointed out. It, it's all You can have the best CV in the world. Um, you can have the best application um, um, processing, and you can have very good interview skills. But there are literally hundreds of people out there applying for the same job. When you hear uh, people like Louise, who we just spoke to from the National Careers Service, saying that, according to a survey, confidence in the job market is improving, what, what's your response, Nigel? Well, I think that's because people can see that there are some jobs out there, but they are very much, uh, very much reduced salaries. Um, they are not matching uh, some people's skills and capabilities. And uh, if there is any reduction in the unemployment total, it's probably at the lower end, 
not at the highly skilled end, which is where the, com- uh, the country makes the benefit, where they would get the taxes. Um, so, no, there isn't confidence amongst the long-term unemployed. There is confidence, possibly, for the young that maybe they, they will be able to take up some of these positions that are coming online. Nigel, uh, listen, best of luck. Let us know how it goes when you, when you get a job, and I'm sure you will. Do get in touch. Uh, Nigel from Hemel Hempstead, been searching for a job since January 2010. Are you, who do you agree, whose side are you on there? Who, whose opinion resonates more with you? The uh, Careers Advice Service or, or Nigel? Do, uh, have you got confidence in the job market? And damn those young people with their confidence. I used to be young. I used to have the confidence of youth. Uh, Fifi in Luton says, uh, There are several jobs in the country that will never see unemployment. MP, doctors, social work, the courts, prisons. Regardless of the economic climate, I know my job will be guaranteed. I just wondered who they asked in their survey. 08459 555 is the phone number. You can go to Facebook as well, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Or you can do what Fifi did and send us... I do like the name Fifi. It's a good name, isn't it? Um, I wouldn't call my daughter Fifi, mainly because I haven't got one. But uh, you can send us a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Do put your name on it, please. I prefer to read them out. Uh, occasionally, I will read an anonymous one out, if it's worth it. But if it's not got a name on, generally they get uh, filed away in the computer trash. Right, it's 7.44. It's BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, emergency services should be funded by a separate tax rather than council tax. That's according to the Chief Fire Officer of the Bucks and MK Fire Service. Mark Jones says the public would be willing to pay more if it knew it was going to be spent on emergency services. He says the fire service is in desperate need of more money, and this is one way to resolve it. Well, Mark joins me in the studio now. Good morning, Mark. Thank you very much for coming in. Explain this idea, how it would work, and why you want a separate tax. Okay, well, year on year, fire service funding is diminishing. And at the moment, we're still managing to provide the vital emergency services that people need. But I predict there will come a future time in which the financial situation will be so tight that services will start to diminish to a point at which public safety might be affected. And what I propose is that by having a different method of taxation, instead of being funded through council tax and central government grant, by raising the taxes directly by hypothecation so that when people pay their taxes, they know which proportion goes directly to fund emergency services, that fire service funding would be protected in future. Because I believe most people would want the vital emergency services to be protected in taxation. Why can't you raise council tax? Well, we can raise council tax, but at the moment, locally, for combined fire authorities such as Buckinghamshire and Milton Keynes, if we wish to do so beyond what the government deems to be the capped amount, we have to have a very, very expensive referendum. And for small authorities such as the one I work for, that would be prohibitively costly. The taxes would have to go up by an extra 5% just to cover the cost of the referendum. And of course that's counterproductive and no one wants that. So this will be a separate tax. Every year you would get a a, a blue light tax bill and that would be for the police, the uh, the, the ambulance and and the the fire service. Well, that's the way it works in some countries. In certain countries, such as Australia, they have a thing they call the emergency services levy. But I haven't really considered my discussions around the ambulance service or the police. I'm focusing solely on fire funding at the moment. Mm. Because, of course, health is one of those protected funds by the government and isn't affected by the diminishing budget as severely as fire is. How bad is it financially for the fire service? Well, the fire services are coping at the moment. But there have been significant reductions year on year. And uh, my own authority, we're modelling a reduction in grant of 6% each year over the next four years. 
we're 40% grant funded by government, so you can see straight away there's a diminishing amount of money available. In a service in which a large proportion of our expenditure goes on providing frontline services, inevitably we're having to find smarter ways to do business. Mm. Now, thankfully, public safety levels are not affected at this stage, and really I'm trying to start a discussion where we can consider how we do it differently in future so that public safety levels never diminish. Are you concerned that if, if things continue the way they are in terms of funding, that public safety levels could diminish at some future time that's a possibility you've put this idea to the treasury what, what did they say how did that go down well understandably they, they, the government have great control over taxation and, and the redistribution of taxation at the moment and uh, safe to say that they, they weren't receptive to the idea and and understandably so did they, did they laugh and tell you, get on your bike, Mark, for goodness sakes, get out. They weren't, they weren't rude, they were just slightly yeah, disruptive. Right. Well, John, <laughs> Jonathan, uh, put your headphones on, because you might, you might want to speak to this. This is Jonathan Isby from the Taxpayers uh, Alliance. Morning, Jonathan. Good morning, Ian. Well, it, it sounds like a sensible idea, doesn't it? Having a separate tax for, for various emergency services so people knew where it was going. Well, look, I think it's important that people know where their tax is going, and council should be providing a breakdown of exactly what they've spent, how they've spent it, and where it's gone each year. That, that's the least they can do in return for the vast amounts of council tax that we all pay. But that's the point. We have seen council tax double over the last decade or so. And I think what, what Mark is basically saying is he wants the, that, that, that tax to, to be even bigger uh, in terms of the chunk that he wants to spend uh, on fire services. Well, you know, where would this end? Are you, you going to have the people in charge of education saying let's have a separate tax for education uh, and all the people in charge of parks and highways and byways say a separate tax for that i don't know where it would end what we have at the moment is a system where you have taxation and you have representation in terms of the council making that decision about uh, how much the council tax is and i think if we went down the path that mark wants which i, I think is utterly it's not going to happen that the treasury have clearly said they're not interested in pursuing this um but the, you know you you get potentially to a position of taxation without representation who who in mark's scheme would be making the decision about how much tax is levied uh, to pay for this fire service uh, and how mm. would they be held accountable it, it, jonathan raises a good point doesn't he mark? if if we start this for the, the let's just say for the blue light services then it, it could go on that then education's at one a separate tax and uh, all different kinds of places one is separate tax well, of course that possibility exists, but I'm making the case for emergency services funding, which tend to be very emotive and uh, tend to be the taxation and the redistribution of those taxes for emergency services tend to be done quite altruistically. I accept the point made that, you know, who controls the funds, but I haven't made any proposals to change the democratic accountability of fire authorities. And at the moment, there's some variance between from one authority to the other, how much council tax they take to run their services. So that, that some variance already exists and is tolerated by local citizens. We need more money, don't we, Jonathan? If we want to maintain the level of protection that the police and the fire service and the ambulance gives us, we do need to raise more money. Look, as I say, we've seen council tax double over the last decade, and I'm not sure we've seen a, a doubling in the quantity or quality of services provided in, in the, from the various things that, that councils and that, and that cash does. Uh, and, you know, we are tremendously short of money. As a country, we are still spending £120 billion a year, more than we have every single year, and the national debt is going up and up and up. And, you know, we cannot live beyond our means forever and ever and ever. But to keep making cuts to, to the emergency services, that, that ultimately could end with people dying couldn't it if we if we don't invest the funds in the emergency services we're stuffed in a few years 
Those in charge of the emergency services and indeed the councils who are raising this cash have a duty to deliver best value for money uh, with, with the money that they raise from hard-pressed families who, who pay huge amounts now in council tax. And, you know, week in, week out, we at the Taxpayers' Alliance are, are being asked to look at various things that councils are spending money on, which, frankly, they shouldn't be, or, or ways in which they've spent money uh, incredibly badly. Uh, and th- th- I, I do not accept that there are, are not savings to be made from existing budgets uh, which would allow better value well, to be delivered. Let's put that to mark. The current saving, more savings can be made. Oh, absolutely. And we continue to make savings and take budget reduction each year. Uh, however, that has meant taking huge costs out of management, out of the back room, out of our purchasing functions. Eventually, at some time, the only place we'll be able to take savings from is frontline service delivery. That's what stimulated me to raise this debate, and it's what stimulated me to consider another method by which fire services could be funded. Mark, we had, a, we had an anonymous text from someone claiming to be one of your uh, firefighters, a Buckinghamshire firefighter who wants to remain anonymous. Uh, he, he says he'd heard nothing about this, this plan. The first he'd heard about it uh, was this morning on the show. Uh, and he cites uh, an incident in the States where uh, they uh, have a private service like this. US fire service turned up at a house which was on fire, found out they hadn't paid their tax and left the house to burn down. Would that is that uh, that's the logical conclusion, isn't it, of what could happen here? Absolutely not. Uh, it's one of the fears that people have about the hypothecation debate that service users start to uh, dictate who gets the service. But of course, the provision of emergency services must be pr- provided equally to everyone who is in need. And it's one of the wonderful things about the British taxation system. And you hadn't you hadn't mentioned this to your your firefighters at all. Uh, it's certainly no secret that I favour it, and uh, I have raised it several times back in the service. Uh, Jonathan, you, you think this is a terrible idea, all in all, do you? I, th- I think it's unworkable, and I think it, it, it would it, it would be impossible to to deal with on the basis that Mark's saying that people think you know oh the fire service should get more money that's a special case. Well, there's all kinds of things that local government may be spending money on which they think they should be spending less money on, and and you know this is this is the issue. You know when you're raising council tax, you're you're taking a, a, a big amount of money from people, and the local councillors make the decision as to how to distribute that among the different services that they provide. And, and, you know, some people use some services more than others and some people appreciate some services mm. more than others. And, say, going down, down the route of hypothecation that, that Mark uh, is, is suggesting, um, it, it, it becomes unworkable for, to, 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 for that money to be allocated um, equally, really, in, in, in the ways that, that councillors think it should be. Mark, have you heard of, of fire marks? I, I'd not heard this phrase. Billy Milton Keynes has texted in talking about fire marks. He says, uh, before the fire brigade was formed, householders had to buy fire insurance. Each company had its own logo, which was placed on the front of your house. If you had no fire mark or the wrong insurance company, they'd let your house burn down. Y- you can guarantee that that would not be, that would not be a problem. That would be a, an anathema to me. And okay. uh, there's certainly no, no one's thinking like that in the UK fire service. We had a, a call from Ken who said that the fire brigade should stop messing around with silly jobs like rescuing cats from trees and things like that. And, and, and there should be charges for things like that. Is that a, a possible line? That, unless it's an emergency, maybe a, a charge could be levied on people? Well, we already have charges for certain services that we provide. Yep. But uh, animal and pet rescue is a service which is often provided for the purposes of safety because people get very distressed when their pets find themselves in rivers falling through ice up trees uh, and do things which endanger them and quite often we rescue pets so as to not endanger the pet owner could you uh, uh, levy fines on on companies whose fire alarms go off 
inappropriately. There's there's a big bit, lots of cases. For example, there are fire alarms going off just by accident. In, in in some services, that approach is taken. In my own service, we respond to automatic fire alarms uh, as if they're genuine calls for fire, although we work closely with commercial companies to help them reduce the number of unwanted fire signals. When was the last time you yourself climbed up a, a ladder to rescue a cat from a tree? A long time ago. Good for you. Well done. Excellent. Mark Jones, thank you very much. Mark Jones, uh, uh, of course, Chief Fire Officer of Bucks and MK Fire Service. Um, also, the other voice you heard was Jonathan Isabey from the Taxpayers Alliance. The weather showers to start, but drier and brighter later with a top temperature of 24 degrees Celsius. That's 75 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Oh, hello. Oh, did you hear me? Just a bit, yeah. Ah. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Three minutes past eight, Friday the 9th of August. I was having a very interesting chat there with the Chief Fire Officer from Milton Keynes. I missed my opportunity to go to the loo. I know. Anyone got an empty water bottle? Coming up in the last hour of the show today... A Bedford woman has expressed serious concerns about the time taken to transfer her baby from Bedford Hospital's A&E unit to Milton Keynes. Well, let's see what the local MP has to say about that next. Just spoken to the Chief Fire Officer for Buckinghamshire, who says emergency services should be funded by a separate tax rather than a council tax. Would you pay it? I'm taking your calls on unemployment today. Apparently, confidence in the job market is improving. But in reality, what's it like out there if you're trying to find a job? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or you can give me a phone call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. A woman from Brickhill is angry after experiencing painstaking delays by Bedford Hospital when she took her little girl in with concussion. Due to the recent closures in children's services, Kelly Bloor was told her nine-month-old daughter, Lola, needed to be transferred to Milton Keynes Hospital for observation a process which took almost eight hours to achieve. Kelly Bloor told our reporter Sophie Solaria about her experience. At uh, 10 o'clock, they said to me, there's an ambulance waiting outside for you, you're going to take you to Milton Keynes, because that's where you've got to stay. So I said, OK, my partner left. We went outside to the ambulance station, and there was no ambulance. It turned out that actually there were two ambulances for transfer, but only one crew working at night, and that one crew had left to go to Cambridge, we had to wait until they'd finished the transfer and come back. When you finally got to Milton Keynes, what was the service like there? Well, when we arrived, the ambulance service didn't know where to go. Then no one knew where the ward was. And it took till, I think it was 20 past three in the morning for finally the transfer paperwork and everything to be done for me to then be told, right, you can go to sleep now. It sounds like chaos. It is. I think the problem is they've made a change, but actually they've not spoken to anybody about it. You know, they've not walked it right the way through and gone, right, this is exactly what potentially could happen. And it's just frustrating because actually I've been taken away from my general hospital, which 
In every other occasion, with any of my children being poorly, have been able to help. She's nine months old, and it's not like an adult, you know, she's my baby. Well, listening to that is Alistair Burt, the MP for North East Bedfordshire. Morning, Alistair. It's not brilliant, is it? No, it's not. And um, I know the hospital has already apologised to Kelly for what happened. Uh, The most worrying aspect to me about what she says is the arrival at Milton Keynes and the, the, the problems of transfer there. Uh, the situation at Bedford we know is not ideal. We want paediatric services back as quickly as possible, but they've closed because of uh, the removal of trainee doctors there for, uh, for clinical supervision reasons. But we have been assured that when parents are transferred, they will be treated correctly and properly. Two and, what and, describe, what two and a half hour wait, though, isn't it, for, for, for an ambulance to take her to Milton Keynes? is pretty poor. Well, what the hospital has said, and I'm not a spokesman for the hospital, you'd need to speak to them, but the hospital has said that the Trust has a dedicated ambulance service for non-emergency transfers, while very ill children who need rapid transfer to another hospital are taken by emergency ambulance immediately. As Kelly has said, there was a paediatric nurse with her child all the time. The reason why she was transferred, and I know Kelly said that why couldn't the nurse stay all night? Well, if something had happened to her baby during the night that needed uh, uh, more serious treatment, then there was nobody there. That's why the transfer to Milton Keynes was made. So, in your opinion, the two-and-a-half-hour wait to be transferred, that's acceptable? No, and clearly none of this is acceptable. What we all want is paediatric services back and children treated at Bedford. But the hospital has to decide between urgent and non-urgent. They are responsible for that, and they must speak about that. That's not for me. I want. You you can express your opinion. Well, I I express my opinion. I I share the the hospital's apology. The hospital has apologised. You want children transferred as quickly as possible but clearly there is a distinction between those children who need urgent rapid transfer and those who are being cared for in a different way now this is teething troubles of this service because they've only recently changed the services and my job is to make sure that cases like kelly's are taken seriously by the hospital so that these things do not happen and any lessons are quickly learned Um, and we're very concerned to make sure there's proper monitoring i was at a board meeting of the hospital on wednesday to discuss this and i will be raising Kelly's case with them directly to say, well, look at the circumstances here. She talks about a case being walked through. Have people thought of what happens at the other end? I believe that they have, but Kelly's experience would suggest that's not been perfectly done. Teething troubles, though, Alistair. We we, we can't have teething troubles when it comes to children's health and safety. Now, there's no issue of safety here. Um, Kelly's child was not at risk at any stage in this process. That seems to be clear. Uh, this is all about the transfer of patients, which is not what people want two, to see. Two ambulances, one ambulance crew. That one ambulance crew had gone off to Cambridge. Yes. If it had been an emergency, what would have happened then? Well, I, I don't know the answer to that question. But, but you I, see, I, that, that, so it, it is an important thing, though, isn't it? Because yes, the, the, if it had been an emergency, they would have been stuck there. Um, it, it, it wasn't an emergency. No, but if there it had been... There is a different process for the treatment of emergencies. Uh, and as the, as the hospital has indicated, um, uh, emergency ambulances can take children in a, at, at a moment's notice, and that's what blue light ambulances are doing around the area for the time being. There's no doubt that what happened to Kelly was not, uh, was not right. That's why the hospital has apologised. And my job is to pick up on things like that and say, right, what lessons can be learned uh, and what needs to be done um, in future. But the most important thing is to continue the work to get paediatric services back at Bedford because the most important thing is to get tre- children treated locally. And what, what are you doing to, to ensure that happens? 
Well, the meeting on Wednesday discussed the arrival of a new consultant at uh, Bedford in order to oversee paediatric services. It is going to take some time because the problems have been chronic and have gone back to 2005, um, and the, the situation has not been ideal since then. So what has to happen now is there is an inquiry going on into why the trainee doctors were removed the, uh, the other week uh, and what needs to change at Bedford in order to make sure we get paediatric services um, restored. That work is going on now. It has absolute priority at the hospital and local MPs, Nadine Durries, Richard Fuller and I are pressing the hospital to make sure they do this as quickly as possible. Are paediatric services definitely coming back? Yes, I believe they are. Um, there is a wider question. Um, in the region's hospitals about exactly what procedures are carried out where. We have to recognise we're moving from a situation where hospitals try to do everything to where regional specialties mean that uh, patients, including children, are safer. It's straightforward. The more times you do something, the better you are at it. And what hospitals are doing is moving more to make sure that uh, the treatment is given uh, appropriately. So local uh, district general hospitals will be doing uh, slightly different procedures to what they did in the past. What we're looking for is what will be special about Bedford services that will ensure doctors want to come and work there, how do they support neonatal services and A&E services. That's the process that's going on now. And I think what the MPs are concerned about is to make sure that Bedford's children's services are strong enough to make sure that when regional mergers take place, that we have a strong paediatric service operating in Bedford. Alistair, thank you very much for your time. Alistair Burt, MP for North East Bedfordshire. We asked Bedford Hospital if they put up a spokesperson. They declined but sent us a statement in regards to Kelly Bloor. They said, we apologise to Miss Bloor for the wait that she and her daughter experienced on Friday. Lola was seen within 20 minutes of coming to A&E. Lola's condition was not considered life-threatening, so we booked non-emergency transport to Milton Keynes. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hey, don't panic. Yeah, I know that the unemployment figures are huge. There's over one million young people unemployed. But confidence in the employment uh, industry, if you can say such a thing, is improving. That's according to the Careers Advisory Service. What about you? You confident? 08459 455 555. Mark in Bletchley, are you confident about the employment uh, prospects of the country? Good morning, Ian. Uh, no, not for my age group. Oh. Possib- possibly for maybe the younger ones uh, a bit more, you know, with the introduction of apprenticeships and, and stuff like that. But uh, no, for, for my age group, which is the, the over 50s, um, no, I don't feel very confident. Oh, because the National Career Service say that confidence in the job market is improving. Well, I'll, uh, I'll take it on, on, a, on a reality level. If you know, I've been unemployed for two years. I was listening to interest with Nigel's corn and the amount of jobs he's put in for... This was a chap who, over three years, has applied yeah. for nearly 3,500 jobs. That's a lot, that yeah. is. Uh, I've applied for, because I keep a log as well, is up to 435 jobs. 16 replies, uh, 12 interviews with 10 test failures. Um, I think what they ought to do in uh, a lot of companies is lower the goalposts slightly. They, they want GCSE levels as standard, like having arms and legs. Yeah. And they ought to... I've not got mm. any of those qualifications uh, as, as such, you know. And I think in... I've only had three jobs since the 70s, and one of them was seven years as a firefighter for Bucks as right. well. 
what you're talking about this morning. Some people so, might say, Mark, that, that, just, that, that just asking for GCSEs is, is a pretty low standard. Yeah, yeah, it, they, they, they do. They do want, you know, I, I do laugh. Uh, I was telling Kelly, uh, I went to apply for a, a job in a care home washing up. And um, I took the CV in, which has only got three jobs in there, on it, sort of thing, because that's all I've done. Yeah. I guess in the CV, I went back a week, week later, I thought, I'd better chase this up. You know, I like to chase things up. And they said, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Hampton, you're, you're not successful. And I said, oh, right, is there any reason why? And I thought it was washing up, in a, you know. And they said, oh, sorry, not enough uh, uh, qualifications. And I said, you're having a laugh, aren't you? What qualifications do you need to wash up, for goodness yeah, sakes? I know, I know, but they, they set the goals, and they can. They said, because we can. Mm. And I said, well, I've got no chance for getting that. I, that did knock me back. Yeah. I normally laugh, and I don't expect to get anywhere. Well, when you're faced that with that, yeah. did, did actually hit me below the belt. Mark, yeah. is it true you're outside the job centre now? No, I'm heading to it after this call, actually. Right, OK. Are you holding out much hope, or have you kind of... All but given up. I no, no, never give up. No, I, I just keep, I keep focus, and um, I do just keep going. I'm on work programs. Work programs are, are, are not very good. They they send you to jobs that you can't. I haven't got a driving license. They sent me for a job that I said I can't drive. But they still sent me for the job, but I don't have a driving license. So fantastic, Mark. Listen, it's nice to talk to you. Best of luck. Good luck today. Who knows? It could today could be the day. Well, are you feeling? Confident that the job market is improving? Not had many calls supporting that so far. I've just been informed, if you go to the BBC Three Counties website, you can see a picture of me getting a dead arm from Kelly Betts. Twice, apparently. Posted it twice. I don't know why you'd want to watch that violence online. Terrible, terrible. Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give me a call. I've been sent a mysterious link which I'm clicking on is having literally no effect at all. I'm, I'm assuming that this would allow me possibly to see my uh, good friend and sorry, I said good friend, my colleague JVS. Good morning, JVS. <laughs> morning. Good morning. It won't open on my computer. I can't. I was told I could see you. It won't. It won't let me see you. Yes, it will be patient. It won't. It's just giving me a picture of a road cone. What? You're not a road cone. It will load up. Be patient. Oh, for goodness, why would I want to see? you well i don't know surely one of the one of the joys of you not being in the same building as me is we oh <laughs> oh oh i saw you for a second and then you disappeared well you know what i look like so it's not really the end of the world is it if you don't see me There's, why do you why oh, do you need to see me anyway I i've got no idea these people showing <laughs> off with computers <laughs> the, the whole computer system has crashed thank thanks guys oh no thanks guys never mind how are you doing you're right well i'm all right are you all right you're having a good week Oh, look at you in your blue jersey, your green little polo top underneath, waving away. You look younger. Do I? You look like you've won a competition. (laughs) 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 We're now going over to um, a young lad. He's just starting out. It's his first gig in hospital radio. um, No, you look good. That's a very nice studio. Look at that. Is that your suitcase behind you? (laughs) 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 Oh, look how the other half don't live. (laughs) (laughs) It's now you've got carpet, you've got a nice red rug. Look at that. You've got walls. Red rug? Oh. Yeah, there we go. Yes. There we go. Anyways, it's literally, it's fun for me, but literally nobody else. (laughs) I was going to (laughs) say, no one else cares. I'm off for two weeks. I don't care either. Are you? Where are you off to? Anywhere nice? I'm going to be sitting at home, eating pizza, playing Xbox for two weeks solid. Oh, how tragic. Come round. What? Come round. 
Or to sit and eat pizza and play Xbox. We'd with have you. great fun. Call of Duty. We would have all worms. Uh, or or Bi- uh, Bioshock. You'd like Bioshock. I don't, I don't sense I would. You have a power glove and uh, you can, like, zap robots so they, they obey you. My word. How old are you, man? You have a glove to zap robots? They obey you. Only for a short time. Then they start being your enemy again. Well, it sounds very, very nice of you to invite me, but... but Tuesday? No. No. Wednesday? Uh, No, I think I'm busy. Thursday? No, the next two weeks really jam-packed for me. I could come round to yours. I'd rather you didn't. What's on your show today? Coming up on the big phone in this morning at nine, do you trust care home staff to look after the people you love? A Bedfordshire care worker has been found guilty of neglect after she left an 86-year-old man on the floor for an hour, desperately calling for help. The man has since died. The court told Luton care worker Jackie Nadoro that she'd neglected a person who lacked the capacity to look after themselves. Another colleague was seen tapping the collapsed man with her broom before sweeping around him. Well, Ms Nadoro has been sentenced next month and the judge has told her to expect jail. The neglect was caught on CCTV, which has been installed to keep tabs on things after morning workers came in to find a lack of bedding and a distinct smell of urine in the home. Ian, this is a tragic case. Mm, this horrible, is a horrific horrible. case. Uh, on the big phone in this morning, I'm asking, do you trust care home staff to look after the people you love? 08459 555555. My mum's in a care home, and uh, the majority of the people there are excellent and do amazing services. I have had run-ins... I've. Uh, uh, with, with a couple of people. One person definitely crossed the line, and, um, boy, did we kick up a stink about that. But when you do have your parents, or your grandparents, or your husband or wife, in a care home, uh, and they cost a lot of money, whether you're paying for it or it's being paid for by the uh, local authorities, you do, you know, you are entrusting your most treasured possession with these people, and you do like to think that they're going to get some level of respect and decency. You absolutely do, and I would imagine when you find that uh, your loved one has not been treated in that kind of way, you're absolutely horrified. Well, from nine this morning, your views, your experiences, do you trust care home staff to look after the people you love? Are you busy at the weekends? Yes. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. It really is a shame. It really is a shame. Confidence in the job market is improving. That's at least according to a new survey carried out by the National Careers Service. According to it, 42% of people believe they have the right work experience to get a job. So just how much can having the right attitude help you get back in employment? Mary Gavigan is a life coach from Thornborough and joins me now. Mary, just how important is having the right attitude in helping people get back to work? It's very important. Um, If you don't have the right attitude, if you've got a defeatist attitude from the very beginning, um, you know, you're not going to get anywhere because before you even apply for a job, you're thinking, well, I won't get this job because there's thousands of people going for it. You know, you've got to think, I'm the only one that's going for this job and I'm going to get it. Now, that, of course, can help, but if there aren't the jobs or there are thousands of people going for it, and and we we, we had a chap earlier who's applied for 3,267 jobs and not got them. It's hard to remain positive and upbeat, isn't it, with that much rejection? I was listening to Nigel, actually, and I was trying to think why um, he's spending five hours a day uh, applying for jobs. I mean, the most effective way to get a job... If you, if, you've got, if you think you can do it, if you think you've got the confidence in your ability to sell yourself, 
um, and you're aware of your unique selling points, then the best way to do it is to phone an employer uh, directly and yeah. you know, target somebody and just phone them up and say, listen, um, if you, even if they're not looking for somebody then and there, just phone them, maybe even once a month, just so they know who you are. And if you know that they're taking on people, um, you know, periodically, just keep, keep your name, keep your voice in there with that company. Um, if you want to work for them and just say, listen, anything going on, just keep, keep yourself there, keep the name awareness there. Um, but if you don't, if, you know, if, you're not, if you're not that confident, and obviously Nigel is more confident writing out um, application forms, but to be honest, that isn't the best way to get a job. The best way to get a job is to, to make yourself known and even go into um, uh, work, you know, employment agencies and let them see your face and see you, put yourself in front of them is much better than just sending out a CV. But if you are going to send out a CV, keep it short, keep it concise, but also a little bit generic, but so that you can adapt it to different employers, you know? Mary, thank you very much. Mary Gavigan, life coach from Thornborough. Um, let's go to Cash. Hello, Cash. Hello, good morning to you, sir. Yeah, good morning to you. Uh, is your confidence in the jobs market uh, increasing? No, not at all. Uh, it's decreased and diminished over a number of years. I uh, have a lot of experience uh to, to offer unfortunately uh you know there was a time you could be able to knock on someone's door you just your previous caller said knock on people's doors they're not interested anymore and the recruitment companies don't have the experience uh or even the knowledge to be able to help you seek uh and help you put you in the right field uh they, they just don't have that so unfortunately you know uh, i really sympathize with your first caller because uh, i've been in that position for 10 11 years and i've just been able to only find something now which is nowhere near my original field very low paid uh and it does demolish your um, confidence so how long were you looking for a job cash oh 10 11 years i'm very qualified 10 years pictures. yes uh, so I don't believe for one moment that the National Career Service or the job centres, they're, they're not interested. Because unfortunately, we've we got pen pushers sitting behind a desk, unfortunately, that have no experience, can't relate to someone's experience on what they've done. Uh, you, you can't knock on people's doors because they're not interested. They don't have the time for you. Uh, you know, you can go to recruitment agencies, leave your CV, you can see them face to face. After that, you'll never, ever hear from them again. Never. Uh, but like I said, you know, in the old days, whilst I was studying, I could knock on people's doors, hand in a CV. Even if you didn't get the job, you definitely were guaranteed a response or a interview. Why did you get this job, Cash? Did you, did you change your technique? Did you change what you were doing? No, not at all. I, I, I think uh, just uh, I, I think I had to uh, just tweak the CV that little bit more, yep. but that still didn't help. But more more important than that, I was still persistent, you know, to get a job uh, very similar to what I'd already been doing, if not the same. But more more, more important than that was to try and find maybe the right recruitment agency that maybe can relate to the, the type of job I'm looking for, because it's all well and good sending me a hundred jobs a day uh, from eCareers.com com or i don't know whatever whatever but that's all well and good but if it doesn't relate to your job as as your previous caller said this morning mm. uh, it, it doesn't help because that's a hell of a lot of applications that he's made and i really sympathize with him i sympathize with people like that individuals like us that have a lot of experience uh you know we're, we're not even given an opportunity these days uh, okay youngsters between 18 and 24 great low paid but what's the motivation to keep them in the job nothing um 
Unfortunately, you know, they, they come out with a basic level of uh, education, or maybe some of them have come out as undergraduates, and they still can't get the right paid jobs. Cash, have you started your new job? I've just started, literally days ago. Literally. And how's it going, all right? I think it's going very well, but obviously it's tough times. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. I mean, even they are a new company themselves in the market, so there's no guarantee what's going to happen down the line. Uh, I mean, yet I have so much to offer uh, to any employer uh, that, that we're looking to take somebody on that wants to give them uh, a long-term service. Cash, listen, well done for getting the job. Fingers crossed everything goes uh, goes well. I'm sure it will do. 08459 555. Uh, I've just been sent a message on Facebook from Tammy. Um, let me just read that. It's about, uh, about uh, a sick child. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up in the last 30 minutes of the show. I'd like to have a little bit of live music on a Friday, just to kind of get you in that uh, weekend mood. Is there such a thing as a weekend mood? Anyway, we'll uh, be having some music a little bit later on. Uh, on the subject of uh, the Chief Fire Officer, Milton Keynes, is, has called for a separate tax for the fire brigade. Um, Chris, we, we also had um, Jonathan Isabey on from the Taxpayers Alliance. Uh, arguing against it. Chris and Milton Keynes says, uh, I can't understand why this overtly right-wing group, the Taxpayers Alliance, are constantly given a voice in the media. I'm a taxpayer. I found it outrageous. They claim to speak on my behalf, which they always seem to do. I wait, four, five, nine. Four, double, five, five, double, five. Now, earlier on, I spoke to uh, our reporter, Sophie Solaria. I set her a challenge to find out how many people listen to my podcast in Luton. The podcast is very important, of course. Not only uh, can it cure most known diseases and uh, bring world peace, uh, but also it'll fill in the Ian Lee-shaped hole that will be uh, here next week while I'm uh, at home playing Xbox and eating pizza. Uh, so, Sophie, you went out. I'm sure it was a, an overwhelming success. I asked you to ask people if they were listening to my podcast. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing this. It's a, Every now and then, listen, I'm a very, very humble man, and yeah. I don't like to um, boast... Uh, about my many, many uh, achievements that I've no. um, uh, I've made in my life and mm. my career, mm-hmm. um, but sometimes, sometimes I, I allow myself a little self-indulge. I allow myself to pat myself on the back, which I can actually do because I've got long arms. Right. Um, so I'm looking forward to this. Uh, you went and asked people about my podcast. What was the response? Well, I think you owe me a bit of money. What? Well, I was basically your marketing campaign this morning well went round told people about you bigged you up yeah told them how funny you were okay have a listen to this do you listen to ian lee's podcast straight line here have a leaflet this is his face right he uh he looks like a funniest guy do you reckon that maybe now you've seen his face you might tune in and listen no i don't think so oh I'm asking people this morning, madam, if they've downloaded Ian Lee's podcast yet. No. Why is that? I don't know who he is. Right, this is, this is awkward now, isn't it? Is he famous? Kind of. Yeah, he's good. Very, very good in the mornings. Great. Keeps me going, you know. Do you download his podcast? Always. Mate, you might just be his biggest fan. Yeah, yeah, he's good, yeah. Do you think there needs to be more of me in his podcast? Yeah, 100%. Do you listen to Ian Lee's podcast? Mm, not really. He's a really funny guy. He's not more su- uh, funny than me. Do you want to bet? Tell me a joke. I have, but in my own language. You're not going to understand, so I- I'm going to laugh alone and you're going to say, huh? <laughs> have you downloaded Ian Lee's podcast yet? No, not yet. Right, this is bad news. 
I can hear in your truck right now that you're actually... Uh, afternoon. It'll feel pleasantly yeah, warm. That's, that's uh, Moira Stewart, isn't it? Yeah. You're in Luton Town, but you're listening to Radio 2. That's it. This isn't good, is it? London Station, though, isn't it? We're not in London. This is this is bad news. I'm from your local radio station. Oh, right. This is Ian Lee. Yeah, is it? He's oh, our right. breakfast presenter. Yeah. He does something called the podcast. Oh, yeah. Right. Will you listen now? I will, yeah. Will you? Yeah. Let's retune your radio. Let's, let's, let's try it. Let's see. Let's see. Right. I'm retuning. Oh, I'm that, my friend, is Ian. Well, well done for retuning their, their VAT. Did they tune it back by any chance? No. Good. Oh, that's good. Well, well, hi, guys. Hi. Bit disappointing on the old um, numbers, but never mind. What, does you, what do you think this means? I'm not as popular as I'd like to think I am. Huh? Now, also yesterday, we had a, what, what uh, would be laughingly called a team-building experience. We didn't spend an, an afternoon working out how to project eggs safely or climbing up a hill. We went to the pictures to see the new Alan Partridge movie. We did. Uh, you came along. Did, did you enjoy it? I loved it. Why Thanks did you leave halfway through? Oh, do we have to talk about that bit? Yeah, we do. You left, you left about half an hour. What happened? So, yeah, so... Basically, what happened was I left my car blocking one of the other cars in the car park, so I had to come back to the station and move it. Muppet, you missed the best bits. Anyway, <laughs> um, you, you, um, you, we, we even got some material out of that nonsense. I did. I, I kind of stalked you and got some uh, audio. Have a listen to that. This morning, I've been allowed out on a school trip, a team-building exercise, an invite with the crew. I'm going to see Alan Partridge with the breakfast team. Two problems. Firstly, I've never seen Alan Partridge before. Secondly, I don't know where the team are. Guys! Guys, wait up! So I've been allowed out on a day out because Justin's off for the day, so I'm now him, and that's why I'm skiving with you guys. Nachos! Popcorn. Is this research? Is it? Yeah. Okay, this is going to be good. Nachos! I know it's wrong and I know it's dirty, but I quite fancy a hot dog. JD, what are you having? Popcorn and a Coke. Sweet. I'm going to share it with you, baby. Oh. Oh. You guys here see Alan Partridge? Oh, the Alan Partridge one. Oh, I'm never keen on him, but I'm looking for Sandra Bullock. No. What, can I tempt you to Alan Partridge? No, not really. I can't stand the block. Ian wouldn't pay for you. Ian didn't pay for us, no. It's disgusting. Absolutely despicable. I'm going to show my who's Ian. Oh, got to go. Got to go. The lights have gone down. The film's about to start. I don't think there could be anyone as stupid as I am. I have just had to leave the cinema to go and move my car from the car park because currently I've blocked Tony Fisher in. I'm officially on my way to save Tony Fisher. Back at the car. Dear, Tony Fisher's not very happy. Sorry, Tone. Jesus, what have I missed? Neil Diamond will always be. Yeah, really, Mr. Jesus. There's a siege going on. Alan Partridge is out the front dancing with the crowd. Uh, but the siege is still going on. It's finished. I thoroughly enjoyed that. It wasn't the greatest film I've seen in my life, but there were plenty of laugh out loud moments. Some very, very funny bits. I think it, the thing is, though, some of the jokes I didn't get as jokes. He was doing some topics in there. I'm thinking, well, we could have those on Monday's show. Yeah. You know, what, <laughs> what, what's, uh, what used to be better in the old days? Yeah. 
Well, Sophie, thank you very much indeed. That, that, that by the way, that, um, it, it's an excellent film. It's not, it's not excellent, but there's some very, very funny bits in there. Uh, and I thoroughly recommend it. And, uh, boy, man, do I love the nachos. I love nachos at cinemas. I can't get enough nachos with the cheese. Although I had the hot peppers. 11.30 in the morning, not particularly a good idea. Thank you for that, Sophie. Excellent, excellent stuff indeed. Um, you can hear more of her uh, uh, next week, I'm sure. Let's have a quick look at the front pages, shall we? Uh, the Times is a picture of those two girls, Katie G and Kirsty Trupp, who uh, uh, had acid thrown at them uh, in Zanzibar. Uh, Troll Death website offers to name girls tormentors. This is a great story. A great story born out of tragedy. The uh, young lady, Hannah Smith, 14, who hanged herself last week uh, after she was taunted and bullied online. And it's been linked, rightly or wrongly, to Ask FM. And since then, the Prime Minister said, right, every advertisers, boycott this. Uh, and so the two gentlemen that run it, they said, yeah, OK, we'll, we'll, name, we'll name the people who bullied her. There'll be some horrible little scrotes at home absolutely panicking. Absolutely panicking. It's an interesting development. The uh, Independent. British politics at a crossroad. Conservative Party has barely 100,000 members. Drastic fall matches recent declines for other parties. Common Speaker calls for direct democracy revolution. Um, What else have we got here? They're all over the place today, the papers. The Guardian. uh, The Mafia boss living in a semi in Uxbridge. Imagine having a semi in Uxbridge. And being a mafia boss at the same time. After 20 years living anonymously as Mark Skinner in a northwest London suburb, wasn't he the streets? Oh, no, it was Dave Skinner, wasn't it? No, was it Dave Skinner? Who was the streets? I know someone called Dave Skinner. What was his name? Mike Skinner. Mike Skinner. Um, a, a, a man known in Italy as the Professor. Wasn't Professor Green a, rock, a, a rap star? Yeah. Uh, and named it. Anyway, it was boring. Uh, the Telegraph met fraud squad to probe BBC payoffs. Well, as long as I manage to get my £250,000 payoff, I don't mind. Uh, the Daily Mail, £1 billion of your cash to help Nigeria join space race. Nigeria is spending millions to put a man into space, as Britain hands it more than £1 billion in foreign aid. The oil-rich country, which has accepted £300 million this year alone, has set in train ambitious plans to launch its own rockets. And the first Nigerian astronauts should be ready to join Russian, Chinese or American missions within the next two years. Oh, I see what they're doing here. mm, This is interesting, isn't it? What the the Daily Mail are doing here... By the way, that that billion pounds wouldn't be going towards the space race, it'd be going to something else. But is the Daily Mail being a little bit racist here? Because they're tying us in with Bongo Bongo Land. Are they saying that Nigeria is Bongo Bongo Land? Because if they are, that is a little bit racist, isn't it? The, the sub-headline here, the sub-headline here is, as Cameron attacks Bongo Bongo MEP, £1 billion of your cash to help Nigeria join Space Race. This latest controversy came just two days after UKIP MEP Godfrey Bloom ignited a fierce debate by saying it was folly to give billions in aid to Bongo Bongo Land. Are they saying that Nigeria is Bongo Bongo Land? Is that what they're saying? Because if they are, that makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Bongo Bongo Land on its own, it's just a stupid thing to say. But by tying in with Nigeria, as they are directly doing there, that takes it to a slightly different level, doesn't it? The Daily Express, migrants fuel UK baby boom. 
Um, and uh, The Sun. Sex cheap prem star in £100,000 blackmail. There we go, you see. Uh, we've got some texts here. I hope they're not, um, I hope they're not lurid texts. I do hope they're not lurid texts. Tina says, I'm so upset by these care home stories. Oh, this is the, the story that JVS is talking about. Awful story. That's an appalling way some people have been treated in care homes. I for sure would trust no one. No wonder the elderly are terrified to end, it, end up in one. Poor pensioners. If they're not killed off in a care home, they're made to work for their pensions till they drop anyway. Um, what's this? about i don't know what this is about let's read it and he says i realize you have to be and in fact are politically correct no i don't have to be in the slightest but i think it's obvious that we scarcely have work for our own people let alone more and more immigrants pouring in pouring in is a strong word the program on the tv last night read the baby boom in this country should ring alarm bells as to the future in the uk we are completely overstretched in all our services and this tiny island is on its breaking point it's too late to bolt the gate as the horse is well gone uh well, if you politically correct, I've read out your uh, your uh, text. Thank you very much for that, Andrew. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's on Fridays. We like to end with a little bit of music because, it, you know, it's a tough week. Everybody wants to enjoy themselves. I've got two weeks off. and For the next two weeks, I shall be at home playing Xbox and eating uh, pizza. Don't worry, Justin Dealey will be in, so you, you, you'll have some form of entertainment. Uh, but today, we're joined by April Blue from Hemel Hempstead. Morning, gentlemen. Hello. Hello. Morning to both of you. Now, what, what are your names? I'm Oz. Oz. I'm Ian. Are you spelling Ian correct? How are you spelling oh, Ian? Oh, no, the other way. Uh, the I-A-N? Yeah. Sorry, Ian. What don't, are you doing there? Don't You're invite something down. them back. Just a little note to production team. Nothing for you to worry about, guys. Uh, you have two kids. Should we tell you what? Should we just get straight into a song and then we'll have a chat after that? Sure. What are you going to play for us Why first? Uh, we're going to play a song called Why, which is from our first album. Oh, okay. Away you go, fellas. Well done. Well done. Uh, can I be honest, lads? I don't like you. I, t- uh, I tell you why. <laughs> Two good-looking blokes who can play guitar really well and sing. Ah, uh, it just makes me jealous. It just makes me jealous. <laughs> I don't like... That's fantastic. April Blue is the act. Are you normally... Do you normally go out as a two-piece acoustic, or is there a band, or what's the deal? There's kind of a band. Well, there is a band. We're, you we're, say, we're, you we're can, building You can bring this up to your mouth now. Sorry, oh, thank you very much. That's kind. Um... Yeah, there's we 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 did a gig last night as a trio, and that's uh, that's happening more and more. What's the third? The, the drums, drums. Okay, and right. And sometimes like cajon, which is do you know what a cajon is. I've got, I think I do. Is it rude? <laughs> it's a box? No, it's a box. Oh, the, 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 yeah, I thought you meant cajon. No, you meant that. That's what thing. I meant. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, you're going to be on BBC introducing on Friday, the twenty eighth of September. Sorry? Saturday. Well, you, you've put Friday here, Kelly Betts. So, <laughs> your show, you don't know what day it is, love. How am I supposed to know, for goodness sakes? Uh, and, and have you got any gigs coming up? We do. Yes, we do. Um, oh, well... Oh, have I asked a question that you can't answer? No, no, we've got, we've got them. Do you want me to some? list them? Yeah, give us a okay. few. Give us a few. Uh, well, we're doing... Uh, we live <clears> in Apsley. We've got a local one in Apsley. Um, uh, the Red Lion. That's on the 30th of August. Um, and then we're playing another red line in Stevenage. Let's see a thing. Yeah. The, the red line tour that's is on the uh, coloured animals. That's yes. Yes. Yeah. If you've got a website or anything, if yeah, people want to come and have a look. Oh, you've got the AprilBlue.co.uk b- one. You've got it. Much shorter. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> well, there, there were no cyber squatters there. Uh, listen, I, you, you sound fantastic. You've got an album out. Just one album or? It's, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an EP slash LP because we were too lazy to write a full LP. Yeah. But <laughs> we wanted to do more than just a four track EP. So it's actually a, it's a six track which we feel is just perfect see back in the day that would have been a 10 inch 
Yeah, a little 10 inch. Well, there we go, we've got 10 inch, mate. Steady, gentlemen. Now, listen, you've got one more song for us. Now, the rules are that if, if we cr- kind of crash travel, I raise my hand, you stop singing, but carry on playing if you're okay with that. Cool, fine. Uh, I think it sounds excellent. This is April Blue on BBC Three Counties Radio. What, what, do you, what else have you got for us? Well, I mean, we don't usually do this. Yeah. So, here we go. We'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm not trying to be rude, but hey, pretty girl, I'm yes! you. The way you do the things you do reminds me of my Lex cool. That's why I'm all up in your grill, trying to get you to a hotel. You must be a football coach. The way you got me playing the field, so baby, give me that doo-doo. And let me get that beat-beat. Running her hands through my fro, I'm bouncing on 24s. Is the remix to Ignition, hot and fresh out the kitchen. My mama rolling that body, got every man in here wishing. Sipping on coke and rum. I'm like, so what? I'm drunk. It's a freaking weekend, baby. I'm about to have me some fun. Bounce, 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 bounce. Bounce, 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 bounce. Bounce, 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 bounce. This is more like it. This is good. Now it's like murder, she rolled. And once I get you out in clothes, privacy is on the door. But still they can hear you screaming more. Girl, I'm feeling what you're feeling. No more hoping and wishing. I'm about to take my key. Stick it in the ignition. Well, crystal popping in a stretch navigator. We can got food everywhere. As if the party was cater. We got fellas on my left. And honey's on my left. Right, bring them both together. We got drinking all night. After the party, it's the after party. After the party, it's the hotel lobby. Round about four, you gotta clean the lobby. Take it to your room so you can. Somebody, can I get a tutu? Let me get that beep beep. Running her hands through my fro and bouncing on 24s. Is a remix to ignition. He and Lee in the kitchen. Mama rolling that body. Got every man in here wishing. Sipping on coke and rum. I'm like, so what? I'm drunk. It's the freaking weekend, baby. I'm about to have me some fun. Bounce, 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 bounce. Gentlemen, you carry on playing. I'm going to go to uh, get the travel from Adam Glynn. It sounds fantastic. This is April Blue. Can we? Think you can come back every week. You're the house band now, gentlemen. Adam, let's have a little bit of travel over this, shall we, please? It's the remix to Ignition. M25, anti-clockwise, very slow. Waltham Abbey to Enfield through the roadworks at the minute. Also looking slow from Maple Cross through to the M4 junction, 17 to 15. The A41 is starting to get pretty busy in Watford as you come down toward the Dome Roundabout. Leston Road in Leighton Buzzard, looking slow on the cameras at the Hotcliffe Street Roundabout. And you might find a bit of a queue as you come along the A405 through Bricketwood down toward the M25 around junction 21A. Trouble for First Capital Connect to the south of London. They've got 15-minute delays London Bridge to Brighton because of a vehicle hitting a bridge. And Greater Anglia have still got their delays up to 35 minutes worth now. Cambridge, Hartford East and Bishop Stortford down toward Liverpool Street. A signalling problem at Broxbourne affecting the Stansted Express as well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. Aprilblue.co.uk. Go and have a look. That's wonderful. What a, what a fantastic way to end, gentlemen. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. I'm off for a couple of weeks. Justin Dealey will be in for me, so don't panic. He's also sitting in for Nick Coffer as well today. The man is a work machine. Uh, JVS is up next. So, from a couple, until a couple of weeks from me, ta-ta.
on FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Have a nice holiday. <laughs>